When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Little extra helping of art on your Monday morning. Yes, you stumbled into it. This is the four-time award-winning Morning Combat, your combat sports home on this Monday, December 19th, 2022. I'm Brian Campbell. Happy holidays. Just one half, of course, of this multi-time award-winning beloved duo. But solemnly on this morning, We do open with breaking news. 43-year-old co-host of Morning Combat, a native of New Delhi, India, Luke Thomas, is running late for the show this morning. Everybody knows the increased chemistry the two have together when these award-winning partnership comes together within Jersey City in the bomb shelter turned Eden of sin known as the guilty pleasure that is this damn place right now. What do we even call it this days? I don't know. Luke Thomas running late. His disappearance is not expected to be connected to the World Cup or the public stances he has made against the Qatari government. As we all know, Luke broke those promises on day one of the tournament and began watching. But this is likely due to delays in the District of Columbia transport situation, which has brought to mind whether... That same award-winning co-host, Brian Campbell, would hold any ill will today against his partner for that incident that dates back to December 30th, 2019, the live New Year's drinking show in this same studio where a delayed train in Fairfield, Connecticut caused BC an unduly amount of pain and disrepair from the one he has entrusted his business future with. I do believe we have our roving reporter, Jake Von Amsterdam, live on the scene right now at the curb in Jersey City at which Luke Thomas will soon be arriving. We'll get updates as soon as Luke arrives and instant analysis from Jake Von Amsterdam about what went wrong in this rather regrettable, unprofessional situation. But back to the show that you will see today. This is MK on BC. And to recap our latest news involving this fine program brought to you by the folks of Showtime, CBS Sports, and Malka is that coming Wednesday, February 8th, London calling its MK to the UK and a reminder that you can get your pod live tickets right now for the inaugural podcast festival 
headlined by the folks here at Morning Combat, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell. Get your tickets now, one night only. MK to the UK, more details to follow, including what special guests and what this fun variety show will look like. But we could not be more overjoyed based upon you, the fan, consistently putting us first in these podcast of the year voting circles, whether it was legal or not. We appreciate you. Get your tickets now. King's Place in the King's Court section of London. It is MK in the UK. Speaking of the properties that get us here, a quick reminder, if you missed Showtime Championship Boxing over the weekend, we're about to recap that right now in the breakthrough of Frank Martin, of course, along with the UFC and everything else going on. But if you want 30 days free of Showtime to not only check out Championship Boxing, but how about Bellator MMA, you might as well jump on board right now. Showtime.com. Start off with 30 days free. If you like the way it tastes, you like the way it feels on you, how about three additional months how about six additional months? How about we double that offer? Six additional months at $3.99 a month. I mean, folks, you can't beat that deal with a bat. Even Hammer can't touch that. Uh, we will be jumping live back and forth down to the curbside to check in on where we're going. But, of course, a busy weekend we plan to recap today from a middleweight till as Jared Cannonier edges Sean Strickland atop UFC Fight Night 66. Back to the box we saw in Las Vegas with the coming-of-age moment for Frank Martin against fellow unbeaten lightweight Michelle Rivera. We'll also look back at the year that was for UFC and what we learned from a busy 2022. Uh, and thank you to the fan for always having our back. Please, we encourage you to like, subscribe, follow us on social media, let your news, your your views on the news be heard uh, as you see the social channels below. Have you seen this shit today? And of course, morningcombat at gmail.com is your landing spot for Wednesday's fan subs and Friday's dead wrongs. Of course, Friday is the entrance point for a lot of us in the Christmas holiday season, but happy holidays throughout to all of you watching. However you do celebrate this Friday, we will have an episode pre-taped, but a holiday mailbag episode of Morning Combat, so check that out on Friday as well. Uh, final plug here, youtube.com slash Morning Combat, our hub for all things extras. We're talking about interviews with Gervonta Davis, Jerron uh, Boots Ennis on the boxing side that you can't miss. Always new surprises dropping each day. Uh, and one additional plug brought to you by RJ Ballganger himself. Uh, how about our merch shop, merch shop morningcombat.store? Um, you know, we got gimmicks. We got holiday gimmicks. Can we zoom in right over here? I mean, we got holiday gimmicks right here. Look at this. I mean, I, I've, I've been working a little bit on the bench, but not enough to, to brag about it. But uh, you can get the finest merch in combat sports podcasting today at morningcombat.store. Uh, gift cards are available if you're late. You know, sometimes we run late on this stuff. So if you forgot, you need that bonus gift out for somebody, check out the old morningcombat.store. All right. Luke Thomas is expected to arrive within the next two to three minutes here as we close in. But to recap, if you missed our top story, Luke Thomas, the uh, usually poignant and uh, proper decorated longtime mixed martial arts analyst, arguably the top fight analyst in the game today who has never fought, although we do recognize the years he spent rolling on the canvas. Uh, he's running late today. We can blame public transportation, we can blame, you know, the media. 
we can blame ourselves sometimes when we look in the mirror. And that's the equation Luke Thomas is currently having to navigate when it comes to being prompt for such a big endeavor, which is keeping up the rent, keeping it, putting it on your shoulder as I'm doing right now of the world's best combat sports show and to keep up that standard of award-winning content and quality. And today, which will be, as mentioned, our final in-studio appearance of this great calendar year. And you guys know it's been a hell of a year for MK from our sometimes regrettable July live show with three margaritas to, of course, our outstanding documentary, Chapter 7, brought to you by Jake Von Amsterdam, which is the longest and probably the most detailed and heartfelt best of the seven documentary series. Uh, you can catch that. But I did enjoy the fights over the weekend. We're going to get Luke Thomas's take in just a second. Jared Cannonier at UFC Fight Night 66 inside the apex getting the nod. But quick editorial, you saw Ariel Hawani make sort of the same stance. It is something I'm wondering towards the new year. Is this the run of the leftover UFC Apex Fight Night cards coming off the hangover of the pandemic and all things COVID-19, which is ironic because UFC so ahead of the game and getting back out there, even at times, again, the Tai Chi Palace debacle where it wasn't prudent and Disney said stand down or it's man down. And then somehow BC ended up in a four and a half minute hack job video. Uh, you see UFC always ahead of the game now in some ways behind it, carrying out probably these more cost-effective apex shows. I like the smaller um, octagon as anybody else would at times, especially when you got bangers out there. Yes, I'm talking about Bobby Green uh, and what happened there in that lightweight till. But in general, I would have to echo Ariel that in this 2023 upon us, do you hope for another big year for the UFC? This time around, if there was any you know slips and steps this year, Maybe we didn't see the, the 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 breakthrough commercial names consistently show up and and fight and 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 attempt to get those pay per view buys. I hope for even bigger and better things in 2023. But yeah, I hope a UFC fight and I can get back in the damn arena and get the fans there. Uh, let's get a quick update down to the street side view in Jersey City. Jake von Amsterdam and his gorilla. Journalism style is right down there. As we get a look across, you see the apartment building where the where that man once enjoyed just despicable adult films while we were trying to film that pregame preview. Uh, he was an older gentleman. You know, he, he may have been through the wars both figuratively and literally. So as a potential veteran of uh, not just, uh, you know, field experience, but even just a veteran of gross adult films, uh, we salute that man just the same. That's the street corner where Luke's car will drop him off. I'm sure it'll be tinted windows. I'm sure it'll be all kinds of huffed and puffed because the history of Luke Thomas is, is, is a lot of love and great analysis, but we all know what can happen as you see. Wow, a live shot. No moss right here. Uh, Taco Bell uh, available as well for breakfast, apparently. Uh, you know, Luke Thomas, he could be a surly fellow. We all love him. But that medulla oblongata that he carries, right, like a chip on his shoulder, um, it sometimes spills over. Will we get a happy Luke? Will we get a, you know, a Luke willing to take the knee for the old BC, agreeably apologetic Luke? Or will we get, you know, somebody that says, hey, Jake, get the fuck out of here. I don't know. That's why we roll, you know, we roll the dice each day with Luke. But would we be here right now, MK, without that? No. You know, I'd be here but we'd be getting far less views. You know, the traffic we usually get on the docks, that'd probably be the traffic we also get on the uh, the Brian Campbell show. But, you know, would you have more fun? That's the key question right now. All right, Luke is getting very close to arriving as we continue vamping to start, but I was impressed by Jared Cannonier stepping through as well. We are just a few weeks away, of course, from uh, New Year's, right? And 
Bellator versus Risen. That should be uh, the final major combat sports event of this calendar year, unless there's any YouTubers popping off and Dylan Dan is not showing up. I don't even know what date that fight is. I mean, are we really watching that? But, you know, I can go, you know, the really the, 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 be, the, the biggest way I could get Luke back and just, you know, just tase him. Like, you know, don't tase me, bro, right? No, no, this time we are, is really just to turn this into like a BC 1970s album breakdown. But I'm sure uh, a lot of you wouldn't like that. But, you know, that's fine. It's my show and it's my rules. My name is Brian Campbell. And, you know, it's been a hell of a 2022 for me personally and professionally. And I hope the same for you out there. Thank you for tuning in on the regular. And, um, you know, when I say BC cares, if don't nobody else care, I mean that. Does Luke care? Let's look at the facts, you know? <laughs> and by facts, I mean, let's look at the time. Uh, continuing as we wait, as we close in, I believe we can we can take one more, one more live look on the curb. We may be able to catch him just coming in in time and arriving. There we go, Jake Fight Amsterdam on the scene. There is the front door that Luke will be entering into the acclaimed Malka Studios very shortly. UFC analysis awaits you. Has Jared Cannonier reminded us of that elite way? Is he still in the middleweight title picture? We can only find out as soon as Luke Thomas arrives. But, you know, when you ask me, BC, you know, what do you feel about London? You know, it's interesting. Did I think we'd be here? You know, maybe a part of me in the deep spectacles of my brain, the receptacles way in the way back, you know? So soon, no. Did have that vision that one time of BC and LT and the MK in front of 5,000. We're gonna do 500 instead, but I think the passion will still be felt from these uh, from these UK boys, from these Irish boys. I can't call I can't call it all the two islands, the UK, because it's not right. But there is a collective spirit among them. Whether you're Scouser, whether you're Liverpoolian, I think that's the same thing, or whether you're Mike Owens Media, right? Or you know you're a Georgie, or you're a Welshman like myself. I've been adopted to the clan. Uh, there's just a vibe out there. So I expect to feel that passion. I expect to feel our listeners. And I expect to at least inquire about multi, re, re, you know, restraining orders afterwards. But that's, you know, that's the business we've entered here to entertain our fans on the regular and hopefully at times, right, educate them and inform them and hopefully motivate them and let them realize that, you know, you may have tuned in this morning hoping you can get a breakdown on that omoplata. But today might be your day to look into the screen as a mirror. Are you taking the best care of yourself entering this new year? The winters are long, they're harsh, they're tough, but spring is coming. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. I got all day up here, you know what I mean? Like, we play the hits, that's what we do. You know, I was listening to the, uh, the classic... 90s track, The Freshman by the Verve Pipe on the way. And we'll get to that later. I believe if we go live Mr. right Thomas, now. Mr. Thomas. Oh, God. Thank you, sir. There is Luke Thomas. Get Mr. The Thomas. Fuck out of my face. You're live on Morning Combat, Mr. Thomas. Any word for the fact? He's surly for sure. Yeah, blame Amtrak, motherfucker. I, got, I was at my train on time. What happened? Uh, train doors wouldn't close. So we had to switch trains. Do Luke has entered the, the studios. I don't care what he buys. The four year, the well, the well holiday see, decorated. Your stupid fuck fuck game. Come on, let's go. Luke believes he's stepping into a fuck fuck trap shortly. We'll see if that, that plays out. Is it transmitting or not? It's live, Mr. Thomas. Is it transmitting? No, yes. it's not. Was it? Tra oh, you do have the live view. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's live, all right. 
Motherfucker, I gotta get ready and shit. Like, I'm not just gonna walk in there. You gotta turn this motherfucker off. Award-winning content that only Morning Combat can give you. <laughs> so stupid. What would you like to say to Mr. Campbell right now? Eat a bag of dicks. Wow. Well, well, I already had breakfast, sir. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Eat a bag of dicks. Ah, uh, yeah. This is too fun, right? You know, I dressed today in this Target special that I picked I mean, no up. No one pays uh, attention to that. I mean, no one. No, no, we don't. We don't really. We don't really adhere to that. But uh, here he comes. He's on his way in. It is Luke Thomas, everybody, live and direct from the nation's capital. One half of your award-winning partnership. You, do you think I should have cleared it with you? Out of respect? Uh, I don't know if I cleared it necessarily. I just don't understand why you're doing it. Because I valued entertainment above promptness and friendship in this instance. And, you know, if you think that that's a problem in our relationship, Luke, that's the truth, though, you know? Uh, that's you. That is me. Luke Thomas, everybody, he's going to give him a chance to unbuckle. Uh, Luke, we are just about to break in to what we saw Saturday's UFC Fight Night card, the final one, of course, of 2022, which had a, you know, sneaky amount of moments, uh, upsets, disappointments, breakthrough victories, Happy Vlismas, indeed, to those who, who celebrated. Uh, not much celebrating, of course, when Corey McKenna continues uh, poppins herself to make big news. But that wasn't the headlining bout. Of course, the middleweight tilt between Jared Cannonier scoring, in the end, a split decision victory over Sean Strickland and two highly ranked 185-pound contenders, both coming off of big defeats, of course. Topic number one. Let me do the correct slide. So why don't you slide, right? Yeah. I have to go to the bathroom. Like, dude, I can't just We're going to let it slide. Yeah, all right. This was not thought out very well. Well, Luke, some would say that about... radio morning DJ. Some would say that about your promptness today, Luke. what do you want me to do? We get on a train. I had to get up at 5 a.m. Yes. I didn't miss that. Could you at least speak into the microphone? Oh, hold on. So here, here, here's what happened. Yeah, let's I go. I got on the train at 5. I, was, so I got up at 5 a.m. I got into the car at 6, got to train station 615, all right? Train boarded at 635. I was first on the fucking train. Oh, yeah. By the way, it was Train, great band. Sneaky pop band. Mate, Virginia, you know? My ex-girlfriend liked it, and she was stupid. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you smash? Well, I did it for three years. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah. But here's the point I wanted to make, which was, so... When I went to Connecticut, I had an early morning flight. We had to get off that motherfucker and then reboard at a new gate. Sure enough, I get on the train. It's 7.05. Usually when it's like 7 o'clock, it's like right on time. 7.05, 7.10. Uh, passengers, uh, we're going to have to uh, figure out what's going on with the doors. The doors wouldn't close. Look, what do you remember about December 30th, 2019? The doors wouldn't close. So we sat there till 7.30. Then they made a switch to the other track. And then they had to unload all the food off the old train put it on the new train so we didn't get going till 8, so we were an hour behind. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do about that? It's always been an issue, you know. You what do you want me to there do? There was that story in the Marines about guys running trains, and it was like, and I don't know, I don't know if I need those details. You know what I mean? In this case, Luke, well, that really happened. They woke, I, they woke me up to go run a train. <laughs> while I understand the issues that you have navigated to I get to this point, I politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's um, go to the bathroom real quick, and we'll get this. Yeah, that's fine. Room. That's fine. Jake will just, you know. Just document each step of, uh, of Jake, this journey. Jake, Jake, if you follow me, where is Jake? Put the mic. Jake, if you follow me, put the mic. Put the microphone. Put the camera on me. You understand? Jake, if you follow me, I'm gonna punch you in your fucking nose. You understand? <laughs> That's it. Okay, I was expecting much more. I'm expecting violence. I was expecting like the violence. lyrical hook of a Cannibal Corpse song, like like Jake, I will make you pee red or something like gross like hey, that. Hey, look at me. 
Hey, I come blood. Okay. There we go. Wow. I mean, you know, wow, Luke almost bit it over there by the uh, by the wires, by the uh, power pack on the floor. There you go, everybody. Luke Thomas, uh, Georgian by uh, by choice, uh, but now a, a DCer for life. He has, you know, neglected a few things in life: his Indian citizenship, uh, his connection to Doha, living there as a youth. He doesn't mention much that he lived in Japan, which he maybe should have stepped in during the the Risen conflict. And also just, you know, the promptness of showing up today. But this is a bit that we seem to have milked excessively, uh, hopefully for your uh, endorsement and entertainment. But uh, just a quick reminder, nobody does the bonuses like MK. And what you can't see right next to me, I'm pointing at it, is the infamous room service diaries couch. Some would argue to say at this point, the foundation, that the incubator that creates the best interviews in combat sports that go the deepest, that, that, you know, get inside. Today, we have a special guest on there. Won't be live. You'll see it after the fact, but but here's a little clue for you. Somebody's about to be wielding this, okay? I think you know where I'm going there. Hey, I'm dressed very 90s like today. I, I felt a pep in my step as I woke up and grabbed this shirt that came straight off the Target rack. It just This is how I used to dress in the 90s all the time, and I've got that 90s mindset today. There it is, BC with the uh, wallflower shirt. By the way, that picture was taken uh, in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium in 1998. It would have been... Uh, July 31st, 1998, uh, you can check, you can dead wrong me, but David Wells pitching against the Oakland A's and I uh, was at the Wallflowers Counting Crows t concert the night before. So uh, shout out to uh, Bogo, Eric Coon Dog was with me, Alex Walkuski, and uh, we took that infamous picture. But here he comes, folks. We've vamped as much as we can. Uh, I've never vaped as much as I We can. can't do this show without him. He's got an earpiece, he's ready. It's Luke Thomas. Hey. Luke, um, all, you know, jokes aside, how was your weekend? Sorry for the long commute that you had to endure that, that our people had to endure me alone without you. Right? They didn't you know what this means? Uh, my commute home is going to be even worse. That's usually what this means. Yeah, it might be. You know, that, this might be one of those subtle life nudgings or warnings that it's time to move out of D.C. You had a good run. I had a, I had a dinner with a friend last night who I hadn't seen in some time. He said the exact same thing. He's been in D.C. since uh, we, we went to high school together. Come up north, brother. Okay. I don't want to live in Jersey. You don't have I mean, to live in Jersey. Live, who like chooses to live here? You can like, live nobody. like outside of White Plains in those really rich towns, like like the Clintons. Yeah, but what, if I lived in White Plains, serious question: If I lived in White Plains, how much does that really cut down on my commute? A lot on your commute from DC. What are you kidding me? Yeah, but the, I take the high speed train. So, okay, I get a car. So once the train's in motion, I'm fine. It's just that we couldn't get out the fuck out. There are so many Jersey suburbs that look. I'm a Connecticut guy, so I've I've been you know I have my birthright to shit on Jersey, right? It's the armpit of our country. <laughs> I mean, you know, with respects to Aaron Blanchfield, but Luke, um, I will say that uh, there are some beautiful mountain towns not too far from here. You could commute in on a train. You could be happy each day. Dude, this is what I did. I did this. Two or just be a hipster. Go to Brooklyn. Tukey could grow up in Brooklyn. Okay, I'm, am I saving money by moving to Brooklyn? No, I mean no. zero chance. I'm saying, dude, I did this. Understand how much this wrecked my health. I did this two times a week, every week, for all for 50 of the 52 weeks when I did uh, the MMA or the MMA beat my last year. That was the worst year of your life. It was the worst fucking year of my life. I mean, well, that's not to say no. The year my my mom died was the worst year of my life. But professionally, like I ruined myself that year. You uh, know what you always had in your bag? Giant bags of edible gummies and giant bags of like beef jerky. You always had that in your bag and you were angry. Each time I come in for the MMA hour, you were angry or beat, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, the, the post-aerial era, which 
There's a growing movement that looked back on that very kindly, very fondly that era, posterior, because there was an injection of, you know, really like a new hope, like an episode four vibe into that show. You when know? you say people, are you saying you? You know, I've I've built a my a, a small following. They're mighty though. They're very mighty. Uh, we got to get the show going. Did we have reads? I don't even. Know I if took we care have... of all that. We okay. are going to start right now with topic number one. Are back you hosting to script today now, right all now. Of a uh, just this first topic, Luke. Okay. I will set you up. Middleweight tilt, as I mentioned, and this was big. Both coming off of big losses, a title loss for Cannonier against Adesanya, and of course Sean Strickland getting knocked out by Alex Pereira. But Luke, what we saw in the end was a very tactical. I thought a fun fight in the end. Really, you thought not that was a full time action by any means, but very high level and a split decision victory for Jared Cannonier at 38 years old. The killer gorilla advancing on. Luke Thomas, your score for this fight. Um. Okay. We're going to go back and do the regular thing that we normally do, which is to say that if you have a wide disparity in scores, it's not quite the same as boxing, where in boxing, because you have 12 rounds and it's just sort of one style of combat, if you have a score like, you know, 120 to something, that usually does indicate it was it was dominant. Yes. MMA is not quite that way. I had a 49-46 for Kenanier, but I recognize there were at least two more rounds that were pretty... Do you feel like the first three rounds could have gone either way, all the way? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do think that. Like, this is not a Doug Crosby situation. This is a you. No, it's not. Like Doug Crosby. you could have scored it for Strickland. It's not impossible, right? Not at all. Uh, and again, I think the judges correct me if I'm wrong. It was 49-46 two times, yes. and then 49-46 the other way. Like that tells you the reality. Again, you go back to Max versus Frankie Edgar. It was 50-45, I believe, on some of the judges' scorecards. But Frankie was in that fight. It was kind of close. It's just that each round he was a little bit short. I think this is the case here. However, you scored each round. The other guy was not far apart. Maybe the end of that fifth was kind of a blitz where they were all sort of going crazy or whatever. But the first four and a half rounds, one guy was just, however you saw it, one guy was just nudging the other one away. I saw Sean Strickland was really upset at the judging, which I can understand. I think he feels, he fights in a way where he feels like I'm going to land things that I feel like are more important and I'm going to disregard what the opponent does as like a meaningful thing. But it seemed to me, BC, maybe you disagree. It felt like to me, the jab of Strickland was nice. But the clearly more damaging shots came from Cannoneer. Right. And I think, like, what I loved, my favorite part about this fight was right before round five, the speeches, to be fair, that both corners gave. But, you know, we love him as a sometimes guest of our show. Eric Nixick's speech to, uh, Dude, to Strickland was... before round five was not only on point, the perfect advice at the right tone, a little bit cutting, like, come on, guy, go out there. Like, you know, I don't know where these scorecards are at. And to be fair, I didn't know entering that point. But – we didn't get the response that the corner was looking for. And I think they, by the way, this is one of the better, I gotta, I gotta say this, this is one of the better analyzed fights that I've seen in some time. And I give that credit to Paul, Brendan Fitzgerald was the play-by-play -play man, mm -hmm. right? But who I like a lot as well. But I give it specifically the way that Paul Felder and Dominic Cruz bounced off each other and their different personalities and the way that they interjected the experience of having been fighters to some of these moments. Like, I thought that was the peak of what this art form is. Sometimes it's just to entertain you. Sometimes people are annoyed by it and you turn the volume down. I thought they nailed a lot of it where Strickland was just going to lean at the end of the day into what he felt was comfortable and what he could get off in the danger that was coming at him. And the danger was increasing as Cannoneer listened to his corner, which gave great advice to step up the pressure in those championship rounds. And I think, you know, if Strickland had been more active with the kicks or anything more than what he his, you know, bread and butter that he was trying to do, he may have opened up more doors to have opportunities. But Luke, it was an arms race in the end. He didn't have the he didn't have the bigger, bigger weapon between the two. And, you know, without shooting for takedowns, without trying to get off of what is jab, jab, occasional right hand, 
he, the, you just could weigh the power punches too much the, 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 with the leg strikes of what Cannonier was doing. The volume of Strickland, it wasn't overwhelming enough to offset the power on the other side. That's, I think that's right. That's I also, the story of the fight right there. I don't know this, so I would have to ask Sean Strickland how he feels. I wonder if a guy who boxes that way feels like if I'm blocking punches, because you could see a lot of them were bouncing off the arms or the forearms of Sean Strickland. I wonder if he felt like that should be counted. And for folks who may not know, defense in certain forms of defense actually does count in the one system. Like takedown defense is actually scored in the one system. But in the 10-point must system, in the one that we use in North America, predominantly anyway, the one the UFC uses, I should say, uh, defense is not scored. It is Defense is considered its own reward. But you could see him pulling out of the way, blocking punches, like doing whatever he had to do. And that was nice. It's slick. But they, they have re- they have changed the scoring system in such a way where offense is really yes. all that is scored. It's not that all that matters, but it's all that's scored. And Cannoneer, you could see, like, even some of those inside leg kicks, he would it tear does. him off of his base. Although Sean Strickland had some good I mean, checks. Strickland ended some rounds kind of limping a little, and that that shows damage sometimes when you're looking to separate in a close round. So Cannoneer, look, I think at the end of the day, Strickland didn't do what could have given him a better argument in the end. And I think the reason why he didn't do that is because Cannoneer is this good, this technically strong, especially when the tier isn't the A-plus level, when it's just that step down. Then you really see how smart in the IQ Cannoneer has in his setups. Did Jared Cannoneer accomplish um, reestablishing that he is a title threat and that he is still among the elite in this division? No. I don't, well, in the elite of the division... Uh, top five. He was top three into this. He beat top six. So, yeah, he's firmly top five. Because when I say elite, I mean everybody in that elite, which is normally four or five fighters, whatever, sometimes can be more or less. On any given night, they can win the championship. That They can go on a run. They're two fights away from, you know, doing it. I think he's in that class. So it's still going to be matchup dependent. As we saw, he couldn't yeah. figure Adesanya out and wasn't willing to take the risk, probably because he knows what would have happened. But no, to me, it's a, to me, it's the Pereira, Izzy, Rob race. It's those three, and then it's everybody else. That's kind of how I see it. And to me, this fight didn't change any of that. Okay, I, I'm a little bit more forgiving here. Cannoneer, one of one of my favorite fighters in terms of style and, and mindset and, and how he, just to watch, I think, look, he was close to Robert Whitaker. There were, there were ways he was very much close in that fight and ways that I think he could do better. I think Izzy's just always going to be a bad matchup for him. But what about the idea? And some things obviously have to go his way, and it's not like Cannoneer's going to get the call tomorrow for a second title shot. He's probably got one more big win, whether that's a Costa versus Whitaker winner or whatever. This was a big win. Matchup dependent. What if Poetan stays the champion? Is that a matchup where, where Cannoneer is a legitimate title threat? I think that's a very interesting fight. It, it all goes back to the question of Pereira's takedown defense and how sturdy it is and how continuous it could be. Remember, that would be a five-round contest, not a three. But Cannoneer can go deep. Cannoneer can do, go deep. His take, his I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe his offensive takedown percentage is low in terms of what he actually scores there. So it's not like he'd be – like obviously the biggest threat to Pereira to me is Robert Whitaker. Yes. I, think that, I think that's pretty fair to say. Beyond that – it begins to be a little bit less clear. Yeah, I, I do think that Whitaker would be an interesting fight with Pereira, matchup dependent. But I just mean there are those three guys at the top, the Pereiras, the Whitakers, and the Izzies. They can do things, um, and they are they are really tough matchups for each other in very, very distinct ways. The guys below them, they're not to be ignored or insulted. And I hope that's not what, the message I'm sending here, but rather that I do see that, like, could one guy here – for me, change that view of like there's the top three guys and all of them have some unique weaknesses. Um, 
could this fight shake up that order? I didn't see this fight as shaking up that order really at all. I felt like it was, we kind of not knew what we already knew. This was a big opportunity for Sean Strickland to be someone in the top three. It was a pick Don't forget that. It was a pick Yeah, and it was it was a very close fight, certainly. But I think, it was, yeah, it was 110-110 in the odds heading into it, minus 110 both directions. But still, like, did I leave this fight feeling like I got a brand new perspective on something? Not Okay. Not, not really, okay. no. They are who you thought they were. Final question on Strickland then. No one's going to hold the, the caliber of the fighters he lost to in succession right here against him because this is, you know, separate from Whitaker, the very best of this division here in Adesanya. Uh, did we learn, though, through the knockout loss to Poetan and now this decision loss that Sean Strickland has hit his ceiling? Or yeah. is there still a potential... Uh, adjustment addition to his gamers. This about as good as it gets. And that's not me saying that. No, he's only 31. He's only 31. But I will say the thing you mentioned previously that I, I went back to before rounds four, it may, it may have even been before that, but certainly before rounds four and five, Eric Nixick was in his face, right side, teep up the middle, do it. He was telling him over and over and over. He's wide open for it. And you didn't even really see Strickland attempt it. To me, it's like whatever he's done to bring himself to this level that is certainly a very high level, just outside top five-ish territory, something like that. But if he wants to get to the next level, there is some skill development that has to happen. Okay. There is a change that has to happen. This, this is not enough. What he has is very commendable. But is what he has good enough to beat top five guys? No. Cannoneer can beat top five guys. I don't think he can beat the championship guys. That, to me, is the difference. Matchup dependent, and he's running out of time, but I don't think he has slipped. I think with Cannoneer, it's all about just finding the right formula on the right night, the right strategy with enough offense. you got to give him credit. He listened to the critics. He upped his output this fight. Different opponent, but he upped his output. He went after it a bit more against Strickland. I you was thought that was a going-after performance? It wasn't a going-after like I think his ability could lead to. He, I think he could be more of a destroyer. I think he's a guy that realized at some point, if I want to contend for a title, I've got to lock down my my setup game, my technique, my boxing, my footwork. And to his credit, Luke, he's a lot, he's a lot more elite than people realize. He has massively cleaned up his game. Is that what you mean? Because you mean what like I mean. really, I mean, really getting rid of the things that were holding him back. He did a lot of it. He didn't, you could tell he got to a certain crossroads where he was like, I can either go down this road and be a knockout threat, but be kind of one dimensional, or right. I can really round out my skills and learn the game. And dude, I think he's becoming a hell of a game player. His team obviously is well respected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the leg kicks to, against the jab, as he indicated in the post fight comments, or were right on the money. But it's like sometimes I do think when he is fighting the very, very best, where their skill and technique is just going to be a, a slight a slot higher, he's got to amp up the threat of violence more. He's got to be a little bit more willing. I thought this fight, although, again, not the same scare level on the other side compared to like an Adesanya, but he, I, I like, he's out, he upped it in the championship rounds at least. He went after You know what's interesting one. to me is like if you had the style like that Strickland did, like why didn't he change much through the rounds? It's because he probably felt like he was winning, right? Yes. Like you could see his face. He was very, very surprised and annoyed or disgusted, whatever the or word is. Or he felt anytime he stepped up, he was met with instant. That too. But here's my point. Imagine that the distinction was clear. Now imagine that Strickland knew, knew he was maybe not going to get knocked out, but not going to win. What would have been the other place he would have gone to in this fight to change that? You would think he would have gone to the takedown? There was a couple times, actually, where he was getting teed off I mean, look, on. He he wrapped up a little bit. You watched some of his earlier fights, and, you know, there was more wrestling. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, that's always matchup dependent on the level who you're fighting. But, you know, he he's gnarly on top when he gets that. Could he do that against somebody as strong as Cannonier? I don't know. But should he have at least established that threat? And to Nick's point, even if he's not going to score with those kicks, at least 
add that to the equation. It was a little bit too predictable for this level. But I did love Cruz and Felder together to the point that I think they might be my favorite duo of analysts. Do you have a favorite duo at the moment? Are you still an old school meat and potatoes, Rogan and DC guy? Favorite UFC? Tandem together for a big fight in terms of analysts. Like, like they're not going to put Cruz and Felder together on a pay-per-view next next time. Uh, but I think you want to be 100% honest with you? I think they could be great. Well, together. John Anik is special, but... Well, Anik's always there. Yeah, yeah. So he's like sort of like a given that Anik... I will t- you're going to laugh at this and you're going to tell me I'm out of my mind. Uh, I actually feel like the best answer, if you're di- if you're not counting Anik, is going to be Fitzgerald and Laura Senko, Actually, just I, the two of them calling pay per views. No, not calling pay per views. But you're asking me like I'm talking about what would be your personal A team for me right now. It'd so be, I have to have a three man team. A, yeah, Anik Felder and Cruz for me would buy, would be mm. my A team. But I don't think they would do that because somebody like DC and Rogan brings so much more personality and name value, and I get that. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Uh, probably if. Uh, Felder would be the other person I would add there. I feel like here's what's going to people. Some people like contender series. Some people don't. Some people are like, oh, it's just a scam to sign a bunch of young guys to a cheap contract and half of them are not going to last in UFC. That might be partly true. Yeah. It's not altogether unfair. However, um, I find that again, I've said it before. Calling MMA fights live is insanely difficult, insanely difficult. And I feel like there's not a lot of attempt necessarily to get to the real important details. It often feels a little bit surface level. Yeah. And I feel like uh, if you watch Contender Series, Senko and Felder do an excellent job at getting a level below that. And, um, you know, people are going to have comments about this, I'm sure, being like, oh, you're sleeping on X and Y. I'm not. I really believe that there's not a lot of attempts at really driving at what is important in a fight. Uh, and that Felder and Senko, along with Fitzgerald or Anik or whoever, can bring that to bear better than others. Interesting take from you, Luke Thomas. I will say, everyone kills it. DC, and I understand some of the criticisms against him. I will say that when it comes to wrestling yes. in a fight, yes. he is by far the best person in the and, UFC to call that. And even though I sometimes change being a huge pro DC A-team guy and then slipping back sometimes, but, dude, he's entertaining. He's like... Like that feel-good voice to that some. you know and that to you many, like. but not to I, I, th- I think sometimes people look down on that and undervalue that skill. Also, okay. I will say this about Cruz. Cruz, for a long time, was my favorite. And in, in many ways, I still like what he does. But there are criticisms about Cruz about whether or not he fully understands the scoring criteria. Or humor. Well, I don't care about that. I, I mean... <laughs> You're like, I've been the Dom Cruz of this show since day yeah, one. exactly. Like, that part is, to me, not necessarily a, a, a deal-breaker, I'll yes. put it. A deal-breaker. But I do think that... Uh, certainly, I'm not in a position to criticize anything he says about the fights themselves, but in terms of how the scoring, it does feel like something is missing in terms of um, his acceptance of how fights are scored these days. What's the bet? This is this will close this conversation. Who does can who should Cannonier fight next in your eyes? Mm. He was calling for a title shot. I'm not. It's not happening. So Adesanya's getting the next shot, right? We we feel that to be true, right? And, and as he already indicated, it's Whitaker and then Costa, no matter what Costa. And then it's Vittori and Delize. Right. Maybe maybe. Maybe the winner of that. Maybe the winner or the loser of Costa Whitaker. Um, something like that. Not like like a Brunson or somebody jumping up. Or I mean, nothing like that, right? Uh, somebody have to be hot. Somebody yeah, be- exactly. Or Hamzat. Whitaker versus, oh, excuse me, not Whitaker. Kenanier versus Hamzat. Like, you want Hamzat to get, because here's the thing at 185, right? Everyone about Hamzat is like, oh, he hasn't been tested at 185. That's true. He's been tested at 170. He's not been tested at 185. Boy, Kenanier is a... Pretty goddamn tough test, if you ask me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think they'll do that because I think that – because 
It's behind, not a bad fight. Behind the scenes, the promotion has to make a decision of whether they're sending Hamzat to the welterweight title picture or the middleweight one, rather than both at the same time, right? You got to make the decision. I, I feel like they've made the welterweight decision. That's why I feel like Colby is a very good fight they can make, you know, in early 2023 for Hamzat. I think it's more likely he fights the winner of Edwards Usman 3. If it happens, doesn't Kamaru have issues right now? Uh, apparently he had uh, hand surgery again or has to get okay. surgery. Of some, I, I saw that he will not necessarily be ready by the deadline to have the next show. He with had the a speaking UK. role in Wakanda forever. And, you know, he it wasn't quite Tyron Woodley as Sensei Odell from the Cobra Kai series, but it was pretty cool, you know? <laughs> I still haven't seen that yet. No, no you I gotta, won't, because you hate teens, up. apparently. You know, which well, is, teens, I in mean. Some air, in some ways, that's, you know, that's I like that. Like, you you know. It's, an, it's well, the mean, anti-Sandusky in you, and I appreciate that. But It's like, dude, the teens have <clears> the most <throat> boring, uninteresting lives imaginable. See, like, I come from a community where your life peaks at 17. So there's, yeah, like exactly. this, there's like this romanticism of honor and valor at that age. Like, anything's possible. It's, it's like, dude, if you actually wrong. examine the ages that Romeo and Juliet were supposed to be, yeah, yeah. it's like... Just, just let them die. Like their lives are stupid. Uh, wow. You know. Okay. Hey, t you take over the hosting of the show, please. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Let's go to point number two. I think on this camera, uh, another prediction I did not get right. I was actually very surprised by this. Although I still have some criticisms, BC. I think the Armenian community is about to excommunicate. They might. They might. But here, here is the good news for the Armenian community. Ar Armin Saryukian not only beat Demir Ismagulov, he broke his seven-year win streak, which is pretty remarkable. And I gotta say. The takedowns came way easier than even I thought they were going to. You got to understand, this guy had a 90% plus takedown defensive rate, uh, Ismagulov did, and the only guy to get him down prior to this in the UFC was uh, Guram Kutateladze. He could barely do it. Boy, Saryukian ran over him. BC, exactly what did you learn about Saryukian from this performance? He supported my lack of fear on the dangers of this type of matchmaking, which is, you know, what the biggest storyline coming in is after seeing Saryukian lose on the high level in his debut to the now champ, and then, of course, seeing what happened in the fight uh, most recently against Gamera that could have gone either way. You could have questioned if, you know, what, well, if he loses this too, are we entering, are you going down the Dan Hooker road? No, he's not, Luke. He's also a brick shithouse, first of all, Jesus this guy. Jesus Christ. But what I learned... One day, I would like to look like that. Just, I mean, when I say one day, I don't mean like, like, go back to the other picture here. Go back. Go back. This guy looks like an action hero. Okay. So I'm going to point to something. This, oh, God damn it. This is the back of his a deltoid. This is the rear deltoid here. That's a Jurassic back. Bro. These are, these are his, hold on a second. These are his fucking traps. I mean, you got to be shitting me. He, when I say one day, I mean, it's 43, it's over for me. I'd have to be on steroids <laughs> to look like this. But what I would say is if there was just a day in my life, just a single day, I could look like that. Yeah. I'd be the liver king. I'd just walk around okay. shirtless. What we saw in the fight is why I wasn't nervous, meaning he had the right mentality. And, and look, he's a freaking hammer. Hashtag holy hammer. Hell yes, he is. But he had that mentality mixed, fueling it properly in aggression. And aggression and physicality is ultimately what won him this fight, Luke. It wasn't just the constant threat of the takedowns, but dude, he worked his kicking game in at a level that inspired level to make it a constant weapon. You could still argue that his striking overall is still raw and still against the very, very technical elite. And this, his opponent, Iskmagulov, is to a certain degree of that. But Luke, the physicality is what kept Amir out of this because that kicking game, the threat of his striking, dude, he just acted like a badass, Luke, and the threat of the choke on the ground once he did get a takedown was always there. He didn't get a lot of ground and pound. 
But in this case, he was just constantly a threat, constantly trying to win the fight. That all in all, Luke, he's exactly where he needs to be to go back into the even deeper parts of this lightweight pool or welterweight pool. What division weight? Uh, lightweight. Lightweight, yeah, he's 155. Um, I'm not sure I agree. Now, what, what are you nervous of? The striking that was still a little too raw? Uh, okay, here is my basic concern. Because first of all, you got to start with the default point that you didn't think he would win. No, I didn't. I thought that you didn't think he would get takedowns. I wasn't sure if he'd get takedowns, and I wasn't sure if he would keep. He out physical this man. He out physicals almost everybody. Uh, but, but that I, was I will the say, difference. I, I was looking at the numbers. So prior to yesterday's contest, Ismagulov had a 92, 93 percent takedown defensive rate. Now after this single fight, it's at 75 percent. I mean, he fucking damaged his stats yes. in one fight. So I'll say this on the good side. The wrestling was even – I mean, we've always known that Saryukin had good wrestling. You can go, go back to the Makachev fight, which he lost, and still have a pretty clear sense of that. So that was good. Let me tell you my major concern. And it, was, it wasn't true for this fight, but I'm not sure I can give it up yet, which is he is so physical and such a good wrestler. And, dude, he is just – Sticks to you like glue. And I would also say his entries into takedowns keeps him pretty safe, which is why he doesn't get beat up on the way in yep. or like down blocked constantly. Dude, his body kicks are legit. They're legit. Here's the problem. On the ground, there's virtually no ground and pound, at least in any, in any kind of position that's being contested. Does being a submission threat make that not as much of a weakness? He's not a submission threat either. Not much of one. Here's, 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 he established the threat of the choke a few dude, those, times. Those were not close. Those were not close. Let me say something. What I was worried about in this fight was that Saryukian had certain points of the game on lock, but the rest of it not so much. But the parts he did have on lock would continue to elevate him before he was ready. Now, certainly I was wrong about this fight and the way it would go. Mia culpa. I certainly recognize that. Seven takedowns of 21 attempts is, you know, I mean, that's nine and a half minutes of control time. Not but all of BC, us are undefeated since Woodley Till, Luke, just to be fair. Fair enough. But BC, my concern that he's going to get a win like this and then they're going to push him where when you look at his striking game, his level changing was nice. The kicks were great. Not a ton of them landed through the course of the fight. The boxing wasn't really there. He didn't take a lot of damage. That's the good part too. But on the ground, that is where all of his offense really resides. And there's not hardly any ground and pound in any contested position. So he had a previous fight where a guy would actually go to his back and work from guard, and his ground and pound there was hellacious. But in a contested situation, it doesn't really exist. And, yes, he had better back control this time and didn't get reversed and then end up underneath. The one time he did get up underneath, he quickly reversed it. Like, dude, that, that reversal from mount he had oh, in the yeah. first was all man. Unbelievable. Yes. But BC, my central concern that he's going to elevate himself through the rankings. He's not there yet. I agree with you. Because he's good enough to win on these other things. Yep. He's only 26. Like He's if, only 26. Like, he doesn't. All I'm saying is this. Just don't rush the matchmaking. Yeah. That is my no, only don't concern. rush me. I've made that mistake before, and we have before in this spot. I agree. He's not there yet. The, the, the striking is still raw and rudimentary, but it's passionate and aggressive. And this was a more matchup-orientated situation where even though Ismagulov is very technical and at times in the striking, especially with that right cross, which just keeps going like a, yeah. like stretch arms, stretch Armstrong or something there, um, he was able to land that, but Saryukin constantly could counter that with the aggression. I agree. He wants, you know, he wants to be catapult right into the title picture yeah, again. Yeah. If he fights Mahachev tomorrow, he's still going to lose the same way. That's right? exactly my point. Like, Mahachev or even, is or so much like, better. Did you see anything that would change the way that the Gamrot no, fight would yet. go? Not really. But this fight, to me, wasn't about is he ready to fight for the title next. This was about 
is what we saw, the glimpses in those two close losses, Mahachev and Gamra, we saw potential to be great. Can he stop the slide? Meaning there's fighters that still can fight great, but don't get the nod. We needed to come out and win this fight cleanly. He did that. Okay. He did that. He didn't, he didn't go backwards. He went forward. He just didn't go forward. I think to the level of like what he's saying on the mic is, you know, Hey, I want the champion. You know, I like that intention. That intention is what won him this fight to be fair. But Luke, you're right. He has to refine. Can it be done? He's still young enough. Oh, yeah. Can, can he Every fight, it? I see new wrinkles. Like, his back control was way yes. better. There were times where he got the back, and you actually saw this. I'd like to see him switch to the Sulu F hamstring stretch, but there were times he'd get the back, and you could see Ismogulov trying to shake him off. And what did he do? He actually placed his hand on top of the hand of Ismogulov so that he could keep Ismogulov there as well as his own position. Like, little details like that tell me he's definitely working on stuff. I have, listen, his upside does not change for me. Does not change. He's got championship potential written all over him, too. But his skill set is still very lopsided. It is still very lopsided, and the part in which he is very good at does it to me have enough of the requisite offense behind it to warrant a top-five opponent. It looks like he's making it a priority to get more time at ATT. Yes. So... Which can only be good. Can for only be good on the idea of okay, let's let's work on developing that ground and pound because you're you're almost there. You're almost there. You're at the doorstep of that. Yeah. Now let's work how to how to implement that. Striking wise, I don't know if he'll ever be there fully dynamic, but if he consistently works on that jab and uses that as a weapon like he does, and at least has the threat of a right hand, those other areas are strong. Got to refine them, but they're strong. Just think he about this. Seems to have the intangible backbone. Yes, like he's got he's got grit. Again, doesn't take a lot of damage. I want to be very clear about that. That is it. Hugely important for a kid at 26 years of age. Dude, he's got the level of stickiness yeah. that a Habib does, where they just, guys, could not get this fucking guy off of him. But, but, the ground and pound from Habib is way more advanced, right? And, of course, who can be Habib? This is a, an impossible standard in many ways. But I think that Saryukin could get fucking close with some time. He could get close. The only one that ever put guilt... Uh, Habib away was guilt, right? To stand up to the promise to the parents and just be like, yep, I said it, so I'm never going to fight again. You know? <laughs> right. That was it. That you, was you, it. You get my point. My point is simply that um, he passed this test far easier than I thought he could. Yeah. And Fine. his DMs must be immaculate, to be fair. Um, just to can be, you I mean, just imagine the things that I mean, who, pitched in Who had him? a better night in the DMs, Lionel Messi or this guy, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Messi. Well, Messi's like, yeah. I yeah, mean, he yeah. won the World Cup. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's um, and was, I think he got, did he get golden ball and golden boot? He might have gotten both. I can't even remember. Yeah. But in any case. Gold, gold balls. I'd love to have that scenario. <laughs> that, that I, condition, I, I right? will say this. You know what's one of the most impressive things about this victory that it's very hard to appreciate? I really encourage folks, maybe if you watch the show, then you already know this. But if you are not super familiar with Ismagulov prior to this contest, do me a solid and watch any of his previous UFC fights because this was a poor showcase for him, right? Like if all you ever knew about Demir Ismagulov was just what you got from this fight, you will have a very warped sense of his abilities. Go watch the Kutateladze fight and come back to me and then see how that good he is. That was a split decision, though, I warned you Majority about. decision, and the one he got wrong was Douglas Crosby. I read John <laughs> Mindenhall's feature from MMA Fighting on him. Is it not insane? Oh my, they're at bathhouses together? Like yeah. This guy's... Dude, Doug Crosby's out of his mind. Did you see Rafi on Stutz was hammering out Doug Crosby to Ariel? Because in that no, feature, you know, that. Doug Crosby has his own 
criteria of the rules. Right. You know, and it's just, damn, man, this guy's like an old school cowboy, right? Yeah, basically. But the wrong kind. Yeah, the super wrong kind. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm trying to make is, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Just give Ismagulov a try on these other fights. And then if you rewatch this one, you'll see. The most impressive thing to me about Saryukin did here was he made Ismagulov look average. He is not. This fight, both the commentators were talking about it. Neither guy wanted to. No one wanted to fight either guy, so these yes. two just got paired together. And I want to point out something. This is this is Saryukian's run to this point, BC. Yeah. Makachev, OAM, Davi Hamosh, who was an ADCC gold medalist, Matt Steamrola, uh, Frivola, Christos Kiagos. That one he just ran through pretty easily. But then another very, very good lightweight, Joel Alvarez from Spain, then Mateusz Gamrat, and then Demir Ismagulov. And dude, he bloodied Alvarez where Ismagulov didn't. So, like, we we talked about this yes. difference in experience coming. You tried to argue that Ismagulov had better experience, and people were like, yo, what's wrong with Luke? He's crazy. Um, well, now that's certainly not the case. Well, it wasn't coming in either. I mean, this is an intervention right now. Well, between – no, no. I think I relented in the end because the Makachev fight, if that didn't exist, I think that would change it. But having your UFC debut against Makachev, even in a losing effort, he performed really well. I think what I said on Friday was that put it over the edge. But all I'm trying to point out here is – so what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight fights. 26 years old. Those are his eight fights. That's about as tough of a UFC entry as you're going to see. That's about as tough as they get, Yeah. give, give or take. All right. Uh, BC, let's go to point number three here. I believe Drew Dober is in need of some praise. Well, let's give it to him. I think he tied Dustin Poirier's lightweight record of most KOs in the division, stopping Bobby Green. BC, what did you make of Bobby Green, by the way, piecing up old Drew Dober early in the fight before Drew Dober just bit down on the mouthpiece and sent him to the land of wind and ghosts, which hardly anyone does. Bobby Green's got very good defense and good boxing, although he was pressed up against the fence here. Uh, talk to me. What did you What did you learn about Drew Dober? Um, you know, I, I, I told you coming in that this was going to be a war and that Drew Dober was going to win by knockout. I mean, are you ready to – I mean, I had a good run on this card, Luke. Yeah. I, I mean, had a lot of feelings that would you like? Through. See, here's what I don't do. When you do really poorly on the cards, I don't beat you up for it. I just let it – I go, I let it, I ignore it. But if you'd like, I can return the favor. No, I'm just trying to be real with the people. Okay. And, no, here's what I thought would happen, though. This, meaning, look, Bobby Green is not easy to, to be in there against. You're going to get hit. That The style he – puts out there, which is so risky, also allows him to beat people to the punch. And if they are not as tough, then that speed and that accuracy and that constant volume is going to get to you. Drew Dober, though, was willing, riding a two-fight knockout streak, looking to propel himself to the best we've ever seen, but still willing to take on huge chances. It was the perfect, you know, gunslinger against gunslinger. But when somebody's going to act as crazy and daring as Green, he's going to be open to be hit. And you give Drew Dober credit. To be able to land that knockout, he had to be willing to take on the damage. And like, it's like when you look at his stock, you're like, damn, he's a little too willing to take on the damage. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the way he feels, you know, in a Michael Chandler type way, that that's the best way for him to compete to maximize himself. Either way, it created an opportunity for Bobby Green to get caught and credit for Dober to do that. Did I learn a lot? No. These are two exciting fires that take risks. And the one— I think it's a pretty nice win for Drew Dober. Oh, it is for three in a row and third by knockout. And by the way, I mean, he flattened him with that shot. Right. But in terms of, you know, prediction coming in, I, I kind of saw this coming, Luke. You know what I mean? He's 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 the rising gunslinger where for Bobby Green, you know, he had his moment above water, meaning he put some wins together and started looking really good. And we really were like, damn, you know, on the right day, that style with that daringness, man, it's it's trouble. It was trouble in this fight, but that style could get you, that catches up with you, Luke. You know what I mean? You can't live, can you live and die by that style? Hands down, just can't, I mean, it's you're, it's going to catch up the with you. Bobby Green style? Yeah. yeah which, which, here's the thing. Bobby Green style relies on a little bit of trunk and 
head and shoulder movement. And what did you notice about this KO and then the last one that Dober had? Both opponents were right up against the fence. It's like he took away that condition where Bobby Green has his best defense and he fucking floored him. I mean, I Drew was, Dober's a great TV fighter, dude. He's a great TV fighter. Yeah. He's going to give a lot of high-level guys problems by being so daring. But did you did you learn more about Drew Dober from the standpoint of walking in the direction of contendership, though? A little. A okay, little. Okay. I think that his ceiling should be calibrated up a little bit. Okay. Which is to say the fatal flaw that, even though you picked him, but the fatal flaw that you do recognize that he has, that give and take, that trade you're going to make, sometimes you're going to come up short on it, right? Didn't happen this weekend, but eventually it probably will. That's just the nature of- It has of, happened to him. Exactly. It's, it's the nature of the style. Like, it's just a matter of time before it happens again. But I will say the quality of guys he can beat on the good end, I think is higher than I thought. Where I come from, you either smoke- or you get smoked. That's right. That guy's been vaping for three fights in a row, just like your white <laughs> trash ass, Luke. But no, it's a good ass win. Um, who else? Who else uh, got got you feeling something? Hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll go to that part here in the uh, thing. I, I just want to point out uh, there was talks about potentially. I think I, there were before Jared Gordon was selected as the opponent for Patty Pimblett for the last UFC pay per view. I think even on this show, there was a little bit of discussion around Terrence McKenna and then mm -hmm. uh, Drew Dober as an opponent for Patty. How does Drew Dober versus Patty go? Spectacularly violent. Um, I could see Patty wrestling him. I that's could the thing. That. I mean, that's the wild card to bring in. Look, and Is Patty for for the look. Patty just had the worst week possible. I mean, he just did. So it's easy now to pile on. But Patty's got guile. Patty's willing to get into danger and still find ways to get around that. I think Patty could do some things on the ground to him, but that doesn't mean he wins the fight with that. If Drew Dober can make it an action fight, and sometimes Patty as well can be a little bit too willing to get in there and trade and take clean shots. Drew Dober can make him pay in the first round. I mean, that's certainly possible. So On the he, feet, Dober smokes. Would he be favored because of the flat performance from Patty against Gordon and because of three wins in a row by knockout? Drew Dober might be favored in a virtual pick on more. I mean, you know? slightly let, favored. Just, just compare the resumes. Does Patty Pimblett have a win as good as Bobby Green? No. No, he doesn't. So... I would actually think that Drew would be favored. But I think it's interesting. Like, it's a real striker versus grappler in that case. Yeah. On the feet, Dober wins that one walking away. On the ground, it could be quite interesting for Patty. Again, his fence wrestling and his back control, you can say whatever else you want about the rest of his game, fence wrestling and back control is excellent. He's very good at those things. So that would be a lot of fun. All right, BC, pitching it to you here on this card, anything else stand out to you about what you liked? I liked a lot of it, Luke. There were some good finishes here. A few of them you'll see and have you seen this shit. I mean, where where is this part of Bruce Lee or Alex Caceres been? I mean, that was just a f spectacular finish there on uh, Juicy J. But um, is that a revival type finish? I don't know. He is so hard to figure out. That one surprised me too. I was like, wow. I mean, it's gorgeous. We'll see it in heavy. I mean, it's yeah. just beautiful. Beyond Julian Rosa is very talented, but he can be up and down. So yeah. The fact that he lost by itself is not surprising per se. But if you had asked me before the fight, I think I thought Erosa had better wins and was overall more talented, but he'll mix it up. The problem is he gets hit a little bit too much. Yeah. And that really, really cost him here. Again, going back to the defense, Soryukin doesn't get hit a lot, doesn't get hit very cleanly very often. Erosa does. And that can, by the way, I want to point out something. Yeah, point it out. You can have lights out offense, right? Your offense is just fucking dealing. And I think Erosa is a very talented kid. Don't get me wrong. But. 
Um, dude, defense wins championships, man. For sure. It wins championships. But, like, you know, he didn't even see that it. kick coming, though, didn't he? Because no. when have you seen that kick where somebody misses on a cross, follows through on that miss, but still lifts? I mean, there wasn't even a lot of power on it. It was just oh, perfectly placed. No, no, that happens all the time. Uh, that's well, the, that's the, what— uh, It may happen in other various martial arts on no, no, the elite level. No, 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 no. This is how—this is exactly how I believe—correct me if I'm wrong, I have to go back and double-check— the UFC debut of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was against a guy by the name of oh. Dan Stigen. Oh, yeah. And I believe he finished him yes. in a very similar way. Um, certainly Alex Caceres I want to shout out, but the guy that Caceres. jumped out. Caceres. Caceres, I thought. Caceres? Ca yeah. Nate Manis. Wait, wait, Manus. hold on. Let me, let me see. Manis. How do, how do, uh, Manus. Nate Manus. That's it. Um, Luke, let's Cas go over Casades. to. Casades. Talk to me about this guy because I hadn't known much about him. He was on the main card, though. Flyweight Amir Albazi. Uh, he put it on Alessandro Costa. It took him a while. He chipped away. He was landing yeah, heavy shots. Did you see that uppercut combination, Luke? Is this a flyweight to watch moving forward? He's willing to take on damage. He's rock hard and tough as nails, Luke. This guy impressed me. Uh, you know what? I had slept on him a little bit. He had obviously had previous fights against Malcolm Gordon and Zalgas Zumagulov, and um, you know that one went to a decision. Although Zumagulov is very, very difficult. But then, to your point, he beats Costa, and then prior to that, he beat Francisco Figueredo, who I believe is the brother, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, the other <coughs> Davison. Yeah. <coughs> I hope you don't catch what I have. BDE. That's what I have. You know what I mean? <coughs> yeah. You mean CTE? Um, um, look, I didn't know much about him. He looked no, like a hammer out there. I didn't know much about there. him either. The other one was the other kid whose name I just cannot pronounce. I watched the fight on mute. You'll have to forgive me. Oh, by the way, how about DC's own Matthew Semmelsberger beating Jake Matthews? Dude, oh, yeah. he dropped Jake Matthews with the same punch in all three rounds. Was that a hashtag holy hammer moment? It could have been. Could have been. Does he have Cody McKenzie vibes? Semmelsberger? In, in his look? Dude, Semmelsberger played football. Like, he's... No, the hair, it just looks very like, it looks like, you know, villain of a teen drama set. And you know what I mean? By the like, way, we didn't, we didn't say there, this. There he is, Luke. Yeah, we didn't say that. Yes. They call him Semi the Jedi. Um, they, uh, what is you? Jose, we called the boxing fights over the weekend. Yeah. And I didn't say it on air, but I felt like saying it. One of the guys who lost on the, uh, it was actually the main event of the prelims that we were calling. I wanted to say, like, you can tell he's going to lose because he has an MMA fighter's haircut. Like, he had the, like, the kind of, like, there's a certain kind of haircut. Semmelsberger doesn't know. He doesn't have it anymore. But the, the one where it's like half a mullet, half kind of fade. It's yeah. Not, it's not like a full Todd thing. Grisham has it without the mullet part. Does, well, yeah, the fade is – each part is like okay hey, on its that own. that's not that bad of a fade. You were, you, were, you were dogging on your own haircut. It was pretty good, though. It's all right. Yeah, I paid 40 bucks. Makes you look it, young. You know, plus tip. Um, how about this kid, Renat? Uh, and Dinov. Dude, he fucked over Brian Battle on the ground, right? <laughs> he was just like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Two I think it was two 30 25 scorecards. Yeah. I mean, he beat the bejesus out of poor Brian Battle. I'm surprised he didn't get a bit of a finish there. And then, dude, how about the reversal in fortunes for Saeed Nimrgamadov? He had his, I think, back taken basically, got out of it, wiggled out, and then through scramble, initiated his own. I think it was a uh, were ninja giving us hate. They say he's not related to Habib and that we're, we're... They are, I think they are, they are related familiarly, but they're, they're, they, he's not part of the camp. Is that like Smith in Dagestan or what? Like Nimrgamadov? Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how common Gracie is in Brazil. Like how common outside of that family? How common is the, the Gracie family, or the, the the name Gracie? Not, I guess not that common. Not that common, um, right? dude. Shout out to Rafa Garcia for having his artery on his top of his head cut, and dude, he lost twenty percent of his blood. He bled for two hours straight in the back as they were trying to stop it. Lost twenty percent of his blood. Damn. I mean, are we at a point where like? Let me say it like this. 
WWE Pro Wrestling, they change the, the mat during a night. If you go to a card, they'll change the mat like every couple matches, right? Between commercial breaks or whatever. Do you feel like we're at a point in 2022 slash 23 here? Sometimes UFC's on ABC, it's on ESPN, where when somebody bleeds all over the mat like happened, that there should be some way they come in and put a new one down? Or, is there, or am I just... So, I don't know if you know this or not. They don't do this anymore to my knowledge. But for the few, first few Fox shows, uh, especially the one with Junior Dos Santos and Kane, the very first one, what they ended up doing was they would have a fight, and let's say there was a lot of blood bef- between commercials or between fights, what they would end up doing, I think between fights, what they end up doing is they would actually go and paint over the top of it and what the wow. uh, Esther Lynn was telling me about it because she was obviously cage side, and what she was saying was the smell was like uh, like really bad, like inhumane, terrible, inhumane, and it created a certain level of potential stickiness and changes oh. to the consistency of the mat. I don't think they do that anymore. This was back when it was like, hey, if we show fist fights on national television, yeah. what's going to happen? Now, is that a soft take of me to look at this gross pile of blood? And growing up, I'd be like, yeah, just bleed. You know what I mean? Come on, I'm a dirt hole. But like, I mean, look, I mean, look at the carnage here. Then you've got, so then you get taken down yeah, in the Jesus. next fight, Luke. And you know, that there's DNA all over in this day and age of, uh, High level disease. Looks like the exchange. cover of a Cannibal Corpse album. Yeah, it really does. Maybe I should uh, maybe I should toughen up. But I was surprised to see uh, Mahashate, who always looks like Misha Tate on paper. Uh, it always looks like Misha Tate on paper. It's he looked like a, he was coming on, but dude, Rafa Garcia is tough as balls. Yeah, right? super tough as balls. And to Damn. and also also like, how does it affect your cardio when you lose that much blood as well? I remember one time Tim Kennedy had a really bad cut. I think it was maybe the Michael Bisping fight. Maybe it was one of his Strike Force fights. And they interviewed him afterwards, and they were like, were you worried about all the blood you were losing? He's like, ah, it's just blood. And I'm like, right, the thing that gives you life? Yes. That thing? That thing. Um, I didn't want to close without mentioning Manel Cop, who did the the O'Malley crossover thing. But, Luke, he, um, is he coming on a flyweight? Like, yes. he's, he'd been he, around before UFC and right. has a reputation. So he had a great reputation coming out of Japan and then stumbled a little bit yeah. when he first got to UFC. And I think now you're seeing like the real version, what he's actually capable of doing. He beat up aftermarket Ian McCall real bad in 2017, remember that? Yep, he sure did, aftermarket. (laughs) Pobrecito Ian McCall, he had a lot of injuries, man. He was a good fighter. Uh, Okay, BC, so let's get to this. Uh, Point number four here. The UFC's year is over. MMA, by the way, there's still a couple MMA events. Don't forget, Bellator versus Ryzen will be on New Year's Eve. Also, Cage Warriors has an event. I believe someone else does too. So there's a little bit few more fights left, but the UFC's year is over. BC, how was the UFC's 2022? Maybe I, I because I come from boxing, I'm more quick to like, I, I actually heard some people complaining about this calendar year, but I'm more quick to say like, embrace what you have. This is a great year for the UFC and the sport of MMA. I thought I was entertained consistently. The big matchups got made. The only thing I think that was lacking this calendar year was the consistency of not without UFC not trying, of, of putting out the kind of crossover pay-per-views that continue to build and engage that that mainstream audience. We didn't end up seeing Conor McGregor or John Jones fight when we kind of expected it, so that's a big part of it. But, Luke, you know, in, you're going to get injuries. You're going to get all the things that happen. I thought from a presentation standpoint, from a consistency, even on those in-between fight night cards where we'll come on here and tell you the truth and be like, eh, not a great card, I still feel like they would overachieve and I was entertained. Start to finish... Not that there wasn't headlines that you can criticize with UFC and the fighter pay thing is still a, a looming thing, no question about it, as is Dana White's slapdick league. But um, I would say, Luke, I, are you not entertained? This was a fun-ass year. Do you feel like the, 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 the promotion under this UFC era going in the right direction? Overall, we, we, we got what we deserved here? Coming from boxing, I'm like, yeah, this was fun as shit. I think it is very fair to say this was not UFC's best year. 
But was, but was it bad though? It was not no, bad. No. It was not a bad year, not by any stretch of the imagination. Let's do a little bit of I mean, here's what I think folks just fail to appreciate who may, might be newer to the sport. If you if you started watching in the Connor Rousey era, I could understand how looking at 2022 and be like, okay, but like where were all like the real big fights? Where was Jones Francis? Where was the return of Connor? Where was you name it. Where were these things? Yeah, they didn't happen. There wasn't any really major marquee, earth-shattering MMA content this year. But that's okay. But the consistent level of good to great, I would actually argue, was pretty high. It also, was pretty high. two guys who at the time of losing were in the discussion for pound for pound best, Kamaru Usman and Israel Adesanya, both lost via fifth round upset KO. Right. I mean, it's like, damn, right? right. You know? Right. And so you have to understand that, like, uh, the marquee event was missing. The marquee events were missing. Okay, fair enough. Wasn't its best year. But what you also understand is like trying to compare this sport to what it was in, let's say, 2002 is impossible. I did see folks be like, is this the worst year in UFC history? I'm like, folks, this God, is no. so much better than it used to be. Hmm. You have no idea how spoiled you are. Let me point out just two recent bad years. Remember 2012? Every fight got canceled. That was just like week to week. In 2014 you, as well. You had the Dan Hendo, John Jones fallout in 2012. That year sucked. You know what also sucked? 2017, the year after the company sold, and suddenly Rousey and Lesnar and Connor are not walking through that door, and they're right. struggling to find paper, anyone to be a pay-per-view star. Those years were kind of touch and go. This is a pretty damn good year start right. to finish. So here's 2002. This event took place in January of, uh, of 2002. It was UFC, what number is this? 35, I believe. Your main card, Jens Pulver versus BJ Penn, which is legitimately a good fight. Rico Rodriguez versus Jeff Monson. I don't mind that. Merlo Bustamante, the most underrated UFC champion of all time. Uh, Dave Manet. Chuck Liddell versus Amar Sulawev, and then Andre Semenov versus Ricardo Almeida. So that was in January. Your next event didn't take place till fucking March, right? So you missed all of February, all the rest of January, most of the rest of March. Josh Barnett versus Couture, that's pretty great. Hizo versus Arlovsky, uh, that was a great fight. Hughes versus Hayato Sakurai, folks will remember that. Why are you going back 20 years? I don't get it. I'm just trying to point out, these are fine cards, but you get something either better than this or something pretty close to it regularly now almost every week. Uh, how about the next one? So UFC 37, when was that? That was in May, so you missed all of April. Marilla Bustamante versus Matt Lindland. Uh, Rico Rodriguez versus Yoshi Kosaka. How about this? Your third fight on the card was BJ Penn versus Paul Creighton. Show of hands, who knows who Paul Creighton is? Let's do one more, 37 and a half. That was the weird fight that was on Fox. UFC 38, this was in July, right? of 2002, this was the Hughes-Newton fight, which is historic. Oh, you're saying that was a bad year. I'm saying this was a fine year. Oh, listen to me. This was a fine year for what it was. But number one, look how many more events there are. Yeah. Look how many more fights there are per card. And look at the overall depth of divisions. You just get this plus 10x this as just a basic, that, as a baseline of content. Yes, you didn't get the extra, extra, extra stuff. But you got all of this times a billion just waking up and then punching on your TV. Well, by the way, you have to pay for all of this. And now you have to, you can just use ESPN Plus. You get the vast majority of MMA content out for free, but for a pretty fairly modest price. Like, this is so much better than it used to be yeah. by yeah. a million miles. Um, we, we will have an award show of some kind before the new year, but this type of question won't be on that. But I always think it's an interesting award that people forgot. The idea of best win of 2022, which is a combination of stakes mis mixed with performance. I'm going to give you three options. Are you ready? Okay. Francis Ngannou defeats Cyril Ghosn to defend the heavyweight championship and unify it. 
Amanda Nunes comes back from stoppage loss and outpoints Juliana Pena. Mm-hmm. Or what was my third option, Luke? Look, what was my third option? Is it Islam Makachev? No. No, it wasn't Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman either. Either I forgot what my third one was. The whole point, Luke, is what was the best win of this calendar year? Islam Makachev beating Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira was coming in on one of the hottest streaks you've ever seen, and Makachev. Oh, dummy. I was going to say Volkanovski Holloway because he beat that ooh, ass. Okay, fuck. that's what that I was, was going to offer. That's, but, that's a close. But second. they just got in my ear, and they're like Leon Edwards head kicking yeah, Usman. That's a close okay, poetic. That's what I mean. Like this year had plenty of surprises. I asked upset. that question to show you. We just named five that could have been best win of the year. I mean, dude, that and God, one's like Paul Bunyan, man. That's yeah. like wild it's great like so so again not the highest of the highs fair enough but plenty of pretty good plenty of very good and lots of relatively standard stuff that i'm and also like dude you had to pay for stuff before you had to find like streams from japan at two in the morning and like it was really hard to get dude on your fucking phone you can just watch anything you want in virtually any location it is there has and this is a true statement there has never been in the history of humanity, unless you want to see people fed to lions or whatever, but in the modern life, right, since the 1800s, there has never been a better time to be a combat sports fan ever, ever. Maybe you missed certain eras. We were not around for Ali's era. Fair enough. Maybe yeah. you missed the Marvin Hagler's of the world. Okay, that's a loss. But in terms of the amount you get, how easily delivered it is, and in general, how high the quality is, especially on the MMA side, you are spoiled. You want to watch pro jiu-jitsu? Easy. You want to watch pro kickboxing? Easy. You want to watch pro boxing across the world? Easy. MMA? Easy. Like, this is the golden age of fandom. Embrace it and enjoy it, and I don't know what else to say. All right, in terms of U- UFC social headlines, meaning the— I was glad you brought that up. The yeah. fighter pay movement, Dana's ongoing feud with the MMA media. Did we learn anything new this year, or is it just the continuing themes of recent years repeated themselves? I will say that the UFC's relationship with ESPN casts new light on it and draws both more eyeballs to it, but also greater scrutiny. Perhaps not enough scrutiny, considering every UFC fighter and their brother appears to be going to do business with Ramzan Kadyrov. But that aside... The betting stuff, which is a new frontier for everyone. The biggest story this year. Is it true to say the biggest story in the UFC this year is the James Cross situation? Potentially. We have to see what the fallout is, but potentially it's on the it's on table. And also what I will say is going back to like UFC 280 with the Dillshaw shoulder, but not just him, like everyone, Derek Minner or whatever. Uh, and even just a standard scenario where a guy is concealing an injury from the commission, like no, n- not trying to be um, bad about it, but that is going to be a problem that they're going to have to confront. That Good is point. a serious situation going forward. By the way, you still cannot bet on UFC fights in Ontario, Canada, the entire province, yeah. 15 million people. You think, you think that's killing Bronstetter or he's, he's just selling records on the side? He's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's just selling records out of the trunk of his car yeah. at this point. But, no, I, I, I believed in his upset bid against Ariel, but for the 13th straight year, that motherfucker dropped the hammer, okay? Yeah. Ariel's just like, mm, mm, mm. So we're giving this away today. Yeah, we are giving that yeah. away today. Should be fun. Um, so I think that's a problem. The fighter pay one, I don't think meaningfully changed a whole lot this year. Maybe next year you'll see some movement. The 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 the, the wheels of justice I mean, grind slowly. We got to see if Engano resigns. That's still up in the air. I did not think that would be up in the air still, even though also, I also we didn't talk about this. Nate Diaz and doing what he did in in 2022 yeah. and what that sets up for 2023. MMA karma just came back to to give us that. Yeah, he didn't have to get killed by Hamza and he could right. defeat Tony and walk away. So this is what I mean. Like this was a terrible year for UFC, dude. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There was some real challenges. I mean, especially with the James Cross thing. That's a real challenge that they're going to have to figure out and how it dovetails with in- fighters concealing injuries. 
and everything else. But in general, I would give this year for UFC seven and a half, eight. Yeah, right? I'll give out of it 10? eight. Damn right, I will. You know, hey, good year for a contender series too. I thought that was the times I jumped in and out was very and you know, uh, very uh, good. And um, also the road to UFC stuff out of Asia, which isn't getting a yes. big play, but it, it will. I think will bear fruit down the line. That, that I mean, look, the UFC does put out some good digital properties, Luke, like Embedded or you know Dana White's Contender Series. But do they win Best MMA Programming? No, the they don't. We do. Uh, BC. Also, I will say this. It is fair to say, though, that the amount of, like, the signal-to-noise ratio with UFC has changed. I think that's why fans might be complaining a bit. In other words, there's a lot of stuff that we can look at in, in our world and be like, oh, this was really high quality. And I think that's true. I stand by the argument. But the amount of stuff that UFC puts out between Contender Series and Road to UFC and everything else, you know, with guys on, at the bottom of cards, there's a lot of fights that are kind of nubs that are that the fans are not thrilled about. I think that's also partly... If I could ask for something, it'd be more fat heavyweight fights. <laughs> so, like, if they could really corner no, the market... No, only if Ben Parrish is, like, knuckling someone into dust. Other than that, I don't care. Yo, that upset Ben Parrish had that time? Yo, he, he IG'd us, yeah, dude, and he was like, ben I'm coming Parrish. back. Fucking, man, Big Tuna gets all the gets all the, the respect. Yo, Big Tuna's boys with Bryce Mitchell in Arkansas. Imagine if we got the MK Doc cams and we went and hung out in Bryce's trailer in the middle of his farm By the way, Big we Tuna, didn't talk about this. People were giving Bryce shit for... Uh, Saying like he he should have taken the fight because he got fucked up off the flu. Yeah. Have you had the flu this year? No. Bro, my kid got it. She gave it to me. Dude, it the flu going around right now. I mean, you'll be all right, but like it's gonna whip your ass oh, while yeah. you get oh, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people from the wedding I went to got got caught up in some of that. They stuff. got the flu. They got the COVID, but not me. Oh, they got the vid. Yeah. You didn't me. get the vid. I'm a, I'm a multi-time vid survivor, <laughs> so I just you know I, I Aaron Blanchfield the vid. I was like cold blooded. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's amazing. Anyway, I, I was like I was sympathetic to that. Like, dude, the flu was like you'll be fine. Hey, but like, it'll Kevin whip your Lee ass. once fought for a world title with a staff infection. Okay. Yeah, not wisely. And a growing legion on his chest. Yeah, okay? not wisely. Not shows wisely. How tough he is. All right, uh, last but not least, and I'm actually, like, crazy excited to talk about this. The Dune remake? The the, the, the sequel? I'm also excited to talk okay, about okay. that, but that's not what we're going to talk yeah. about right here. MMA fans, let me give you a name. Okay, ready? Here we go. Frank Martin. You should remember that name. And no, he's not Bilal Muhammad, but you should remember it. <laughs> Frank Martin, I mean, he outclassed Michelle Rivera, and this was a fight that virtually every observer in the boxing world was saying was roughly a 50-50 split. Like, they, these guys were well-matched. Well, they were well-matched on paper, but they were not well-matched in reality. Frank Martin beat the shit out of him in a 12-round main event, dropping him in the seventh. I don't know if he lost a round. I think one of the judges gave him every Farhood single— Farhood gave, gave one round to Rivera. Who did? Steve Farhood. Farhood. I think like the fifth or something like that. Uh, BC, how close is Frank Martin ready for the top at 135? I can't believe, but like right freaking right now. now. Right now. Look, you use a great word to dis to describe this type of one-sided victory, auditing. He absolutely audited Michelle Rivera's style, some of the limitations. We said Rivera comes in when he's able to lead the dance. Boy, does he have options? Is he in control? But can he adapt? Can he find another gear? Can he go to a next level? Frank Martin shut that shit down and jump through your screen. Look, this as somebody that right now is a legitimate threat to everybody in the 135-pound division, you could say, oh, that's just one win, style dependent. No, he took on an unbeaten guy with more experience than him at the highest level who's been doing things to people. But it wasn't just the, the, the leap. Like I tweeted this. It's not just that he made the leap from a matchmaking sense. Frank Martin put away... 
all of those deficiencies that we had seen on tape at times in his growth process. Oh man, is he stubborn on the inside offensively, but he takes, he welcomes a lot of damage to get inside. No, not on this fight. He made the leap in terms of rounding out his game, which shows you the decision he made within the past, what was it, like year and a half to move full-time to Dallas, mm -hmm. to come under the tutelage of Derek James, the hottest trainer of the moment, to go arm in arm with Jermel Charlo and his own promoter, Errol Spence Jr., in that tight, intimate stable of just elite fighters. That has helped. Obviously, Frank Martin has to be a dog. Obviously, he has to be willing. But, Luke, he closed up the holes in his game, dominated this fight with footwork, with defense. Obviously, you can look at the replays and see how he set up his shots. But the fact that he was able to close any avenue of success for Rivera, he put Rivera in a space where the only chance he had was to try to walk down, welcome a lot of danger, and try to land that right cross. And he just didn't have the the setups to do anything to, to, to get over the top of Martin. I mean, look, it was, it, it's crazy. They were so even on paper. They're both unbeaten. They were both seemed ready to make a big push, but I thought this was going to be about which one of these two comes out of here with the well-earned win that is, you know, ready to make a charge. No, it's right fricking now. Frank Martin just showed you that he's a threat. He used names like Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney afterwards. He is a threat to these he guys. He also said Rolly Romero which would be a fun fight, but yeah. he is a threat to these guys because of the technique and the way he's been able to lean on that. Look, I thought he was going to lean more on the offense and the risk-taking to try to fight Rivera. That may have worked, right? Rivera, you got to pressure him, but he never never stopped being fully responsible on the other end. Was this like pitching a no-hitter? It was almost perfect. I was blown away. I, I was completely blown away. Dude, I, let me tell you, what my as, an, as a predominantly an MMA fan, my favorite kind of boxers are the guys who are very slick but also have good punching power. Yes. That is Frank Martin. His footwork in this fight was impeccable. Impeccable. Watch Frank Martin throw punches. He is never off balance. And he always had, when he wanted it anyway, the dominant angle. His pivoting, his return to center, his ring craft, his ring generalship was out of control. I couldn't believe it. Let me say this, BC. You saw this in the romero Duno fight, and you saw it here too. Frank Martin might have the best pull-two counter in the game. So Southpaw versus Orthodox, right? So you're standing this way, open stance. He baits all, we talked about it on the broadcast that we did, how he's gonna get through the jab. Right. Turns out he did a lot of uh, lead hand fighting to get rid of it. He would then bait a right hand from Rivera, slip it, and then as Rivera's coming over, he would fucking drive a monster shot. That's what actually dropped him in the seventh round. Well, see round. that and have you seen this shit? Just a beautiful two-punch combo. he is so sharp, he is so precise, he's athletic. Through 12 rounds, his mouth was closed. He was breathing through his nose the entire time. He did take a couple of punches here and there. Rivera was trying as best he could. Got by the, the way, got that dog in him, Luke. By the way, Al Bernstein and Morris kind of killing Rivera on the broadcast. Oh, oh, with, with, oh. With, by the way, with justifiable reason, but you know, he was getting heavily criticized. But at the same time, and the event, they eventually did this at the end, which I really appreciated. It's like, dude, Frank Martin made him look bad. Yeah. Frank Martin outclassed this dude. So let me give you two names that I think would be interesting for Frank Martin to fight. Two names, then what you think? Rolly Romero, Isak Cruz. Both, both, yeah. I mean, you know, we can we can laugh at Rolly Romero's ridiculously weird charismatic Dude, presence. even Gervonta told me he could thump. That I, I that was so revealing. In your interview with Gervonta Davis, which you can watch on youtube.com slash morning combat, where he wasn't like, you know, you would expect him to clown on Roley. There was a lot of shit talk between them leading into their fight being canceled, and then they did it, and, you know, Gervonta 
comically knocked him out on, you know, setting him up beautifully using Roley's aggressiveness against him, but yet was completely just like, nah, man, he can thump and I had to be on my game and I knew it. That's the thing about Roley Romero. I think he is the best personality in this game. He's out of control. Oh, get the Dude, fuck out of here. He is infectious. He's hilarious. He's both ironically <laughs> Dude, funny and like, unironically funny. This is not just true in boxing. This is true in your life. You love weirdos. You <laughs> love weirdos. He's my kind of weird. He's 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 the Jake von Amsterdam of boxing, Roly Romero. I'll tell you that one. No, but Roly is a tough matchup. That that uh, And, of course, Isak Cruz with that pressure. Dude, the, let's just give Frank Martin credit. He made the leap. He is in this conversation. And, and I got to give credit to Herman Caicedo, who's the trainer of Michelle Rivera. Yeah, and one they of were the trying. On Heralded ones. I mean, he was updating him on the score. And finally, he's just like, dude, you got to fucking go after this. Like, you, we need a knockout. I don't think that's in Rivera. And that was part of my criticism coming in, Luke, where he has to be in control of the terms. And when he does, you lose. When you can get him off of that. I know you can just as quickly argue back. What was that fight? Joel Alvarez? Is that the opponent? Which one? Or not, no, Fernandez. When uh, when Rivera was getting hurt by a big puncher, but then he rallied to knock John him out. John Fernandez, I think. Yeah, which was a very good fighter, by the way. That showed that rallying skill, but against this elite guy at level of traps. through the traps he's setting, man? I mean, like, that broadcast made it all about Derek James like they should have, and that feature was great. But it's, it's sometimes it's just perfect timing when it's the right teacher and the right student. Dude, Frank Martin's the right student. He is all in right now. You do not see fighters pick up the sport for the first time at age 18 and then at 27 look this good. Damn. He's sharp. And but it's funny, too, because, by the way, I don't know if you heard it. I didn't hear Felix DeJesus translate it. There was at one point where his corner was looking at uh, Rivera and being like, it's it's time to kill or be killed. That's exactly the words that they I, use. Yeah, I just kind of. Do you say kill or be killed? Well, I said it's time to fucking go. Like it's time to yeah. Okay. Kill well, they use those words in particular. Also, on the other side, Derek James is hilarious. Like, dude, Frank Martin was like he was looking excellent in this fight, and every round, Derek James is like, "What are you doing? <laughs> do this, do this." But you can see, he <laughs> I told you to do that. Yeah, exactly. He demands a certain level of excellence yes. from these guys. Yes. A because that's who he is, and B because he knows these guys can deliver. Holy shit, Frank Martin delivered on Saturday night at the Cosmo. Wow, what a performance. I think him. the best thing Derek James as the hot trainer of the moment is doing right now is purposely limiting his stable. He basically said, look, like you can't give all your time to more than like three fighters at a time. That was always the thing that Freddie Roach did wrong, Luke. You remember at the peak of Manny Pacquiao's breakthrough crossover pay-per-view success? What was his Roach peak? What was Manny Pacquiao's peak? Not commercially, as a fighter. Probably that the, the era of the Ricky Hat and De La Hoya fight, so 2007, 2008. Now, you could, there's, there's an argument in there to say, well, his lower weight class peak in the second Marquez fight was a couple years earlier, right? Yeah. But when he moved up to 40 and then 47, that window when he was just like, oh, my God, this guy, you know. So, you know, Roach becomes a celebrity. HBO did that reality series on him. But he just started taking in all the big names, left right. and right, plus young fighters. And you would have people like Amir Khan, after the fact, leave him and just kind of be like, you know, I, I need the one-on-one -on -one attention. James is keeping it tight. But what that allows for somebody like Frank Martin to be around those guys is, dude, that is going to raise every part of your game yeah. when you're just working with majority. I mean, he's bringing in other sparring partners, but you're, you're getting to see how these champions, because... Jermel Charlo and Errol Spence aren't regular fighters, right? They're, they're super elites, and they're made up with, with such a high level of drive and focus that that's always gonna, it's only going to take what Frank Martin does and bring it up to another level. He has to also be as physically good and as tough. He seems to be the real deal, Luke. This was, uh, you know, this, was as, this, this went as well as it could have gone short of a knockout for Frank Martin. I mean, just a decimation. Um, it was fun to see come Saturday night there in Vegas. I like that arena, by the way. That's a smaller one, the Cosmo. Top Rank has done some shows there. Yeah. 
Um, I think I've only seen a couple of different shows there. Colbert lost there in January. That's right. I'm actually starting to warm up to it a little bit as well. I mean, you know, it's funny. Back in the 80s, I remember Caesars as being like the place. De La Hoya had huge fights at Caesars. Oh, yeah, outdoors in the parking lot. Outdoors. I kind of miss, because everything is T-Mobile, MGM. Mandalay used to have a bigger profile. I like other, even if it's a small venue, I just like mixing it up a little bit inside the Vegas. All right, where space. will you be January twenty eighth inside the Mandalay Bay on Showtime when Jermel Charlo defends all four titles against Brian, uh, not Brian Castano well, against Tim Zoo, unbeaten Tim Zoo. I hope that I have a very nice place on the floor, Showtime, but uh, can't guarantee it. Can't yeah, guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, okay, BC. I don't have any of them in front of me, but let's get to. It's time for when the donks ask us questions. Yeah. By the way, they can do it on Twitter. Oh, and don't you Instagram. want to talk about hammers first or no? In oh, the, I don't have the thing. Oh, well, Luke, I'll let you know that we're getting closer to the end of the month. You know what that means, because we tell you all the time, our partners, one of our favorites, Money Lion, really the app that knows how to money, they have partnered with us to recognize the up-and-coming names who are breaking through in boxing, mixed martial arts, hey, anywhere in the combat world. You're helping us get there. It's called the Hammer of the Month, brought to you by Money Lion. You can find out more information scanning that cue card below, moneylion.com slash morningcombat. But Luke, you know, what else can we say? Use the hashtag. Holy Hammer, Hammer of the Month, at Moneyline on Twitter, at Moneyline Inc. on Instagram. People have been tagging us, Luke, each time we get another breakthrough finish or somebody jumping through the screen. Aaron Blanchfield won it last month. There is a, damn, it's a crowded month this week, this month. You got the leads, eh? You got so many of them, Luke. Yeah, there's a bunch. Who from this past weekend? Oh, two. Well, Frank Martin was in the main event, so that doesn't count. Um... Ooh. Well, how about that, that Manny Pacquiao's boy in the opening Astrolabio? showtime? Astrolabio coming. I mean, he's upsetting people just – he's kind of he raw, too. He had a certain too. intensity he all fight goes, week. Dude, there's – I mean, look, sometimes we stereotype fighters from dirt, certain cultures based on their style or intentions. Dude, the fighters that come up from the Philippines go after they, it. Yeah, they, they, they go they're, after they're, 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 As we said in the Marine Corps, they're as hard as woodpeckers. Yeah, I think John Real Casimero, think Pacquiao, think – you know, that's it, that's great to see. But uh, people can have their say on, on social media, Luke. I mean, look on that UFC card. It was up and down who you saw there. You could give it to Alex Caceres. You could. Okay. Yeah, actually, you know what? He, he could be your He had a fucking strong performance. There's a lot of them you could pick. So. All right, you got the DMs from Dongs? You ready? I don't. But I they, do. They, oh, you do? How about I read them, Luke? Yeah, right? that's okay, that's fine. Uh, we, Why don't you just host the fucking show? Yeah, we point? put out posts on Sunday night on, on Instagram and sometimes on Twitter now, too, to solicit your questions Monday. It's your your time here. It's called DMs from Dongs. From the diggity Dongs. We've got more mail from male viewers and a few wives who watch. Thank you. And if, actually, Luke, to be honest, we're, we are building a, a slow, small army of you know, I don't want to say single female listeners, but people that weren't dragged into this by their man, right? People that like humor, uplifting talk, MMA, those type of things, right? Political opinions. Yep. Some That's of the, why they tune in. Some of some are all of that. All right, let's hear first from at Corey underscore Coco. Is it just me or is there a more frequent amount of blatant cage grabs in the UFC? Should the refs do more than wave a finger when a cage grab prevents a slam to the mat? Thanks, guys. MK all day. Luke, is this a growing issue, in your opinion? I mean, it's been growing for a while. Like, is it worse this year than last? I'm not so sure that's true. Do you agree that just swiping the hand by the referee is cool, but you also could slow someone's momentum in trying to build leverage to pull you down? Right? I think there could be. I mean, it really is all context dependent. If the hand is there lazily and a slap gets it away, I'm okay with that. But I also feel like one more time and I'm going to take a point. I mean, I really – listen, it comes down to this. Um, I actually took a philosophy class in college. This is really true. There was a point about this. Laws are not legal unless they are enforced. Ah, uh, so if you make it a point no matter what, people will stop doing it. Well, just think about it. If the, if the law says that it's 55 miles an hour to drive, 
But if you go 70, 80, 90, they don't enforce it. Yeah. It's not really a law, right? So Well, no still means no. I mean, don't get don't get too crazy here. Uh, okay, but if it's not enforced, it's not a law. That's what my point. It could be unethical or, yeah. or morally heinous, but it wouldn't be a law. Tell that to Matt Lauer. <laughs> I'm just pointing out. Yeah. In this theoretical example of miles per hour and the highway, the only thing that actually gives it binding legal authority is that it is enforced. So... Relative to that, if you want to do something about K, oh, the referee doesn't want to get involved. Right, you, that's your job. Do it. So how there about you go. that fight we called on Saturday Showtime Boxing Countdown Show? Where Dude, Omar three Juarez, fucking points taken in he, one fight. He landed four low blows in four rounds and got three <laughs> points taken away, and the ref let him stay in there, and he and, won the decision. And, and by the way, still he was so much better than the other guy. He still won a unanimous decision. Wild stuff right there. All right, let's. Uh, so versus delay. If they make it a point, no matter what, for grabbing, then it slowly goes away. Correct. It will never go away, but to the extent it can be limited by greater enforcement, yeah. I would like to. I would like. Here's all I want to see: what actually happens when referees do, in fact, take more points. What does it do to the sport? I would like to find out. All right, from at Wingstop Daddy. So you know this guy's diet. If Gordon Ryan were to hypothetically make a transition to MMA, which gym or coach would you recommend he join? Based, you know, based on his style, mentality, all that stuff, Luke. Um. Well, he's almost certainly on the gear, so. We're going to have issues here? No, I mean, he probably would want to avoid UFC in that case. Um, Maybe he should train in Dagestan then? No. I, I mean, here's the thing about Gordon Ryan's style. It's better now because there's a lot more, well, he, he can play underneath. But so here's the thing you may not appreciate. Newer elite levels of no-gi grappling in the last few years, and especially in the last two, have made pinning opponents a really big deal, yeah. forcing them and holding them down. Whereas before with jiu-jitsu, it was like, I can flow from any position, but they weren't really holding a guy down. Gordon actually has that. So I think his, his style could translate well uh, under certain circumstances. Um, Does it come down to whether he can take a punch? Because if he can, then he'll be okay with learning, striking, and really going all in on it. Yeah, there's a big question there. Also, he's 27. Yeah, it's not too late. Um, is he, I would he say Faraz. What are his weight possibilities with that jacked frame? He could make 205. Okay. He could make 205, I think. So you're sending him to Montreal in those cold winters with Faraz. Yeah, I think he needs someone who's a real student of the game. Obviously, I don't know if you know this, Faraz is a black belt under John Danaher, as is Gordon Ryan. So it's sort of in the family there a little bit. What does bit. John call his army or something? The They used to be called the Danaher Death Squad, but yes. they split. And half of it is now B team, and then the other side of it is called New Wave. Oh, that was the Nicky Rod uh, debate there. Nicky Rod is on the B team yes. with, uh, with Craig Jones and uh, actually Gordon Ryan's brother, split from Gordon Ryan to go join B-team. Do you agree with my assertion that the new MMA A-team is you, me, and Chuck together? A-plus team. Oh, wow, <laughs> wow, all right. Let's go at Kieran underscore Edwards, too. Kieran lays on down the road that I must travel. Kieran lays on through the darkness and the light. Or night, maybe I don't know, I don't know what the words are. Go ahead. Um, so, Messi is the GOAT pro athlete, get the isn't fuck he? Out get, the fuck out get the fuck Edwards. out of here, Kieran Edwards. Come on, I mean, say, you know, Luke, I'll give, can, you know, here, No, 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 yeah. listen, soccer is maybe the greatest sport in the world. It's truly an amazing sport, and I love it. But great, put the question up one more time. Put it one more time, let's see exact. Is the GOAT pro athlete? Okay, who is the GOAT pro athlete in your, okay, so in your experience? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean most decorated does pro athlete mean, of all time? So what, who's in contention here? Uh, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan. LeBron James. But dude, there's like cricket players we've never heard Pele, of. There's rugby players. Pele, Pele in, I'm sorry, Pele. No, it's Pele. Uh, Pele's in that discussion. Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky's in it. Um, Amanda Nunes. I don't know about that. Um, 
But dude, there's like a, I, I saw this Japanese Olympic women's wrestler who had won like four gold medals at different games. James like, Brown? James, Jim James Brown. Dude. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. They don't, Jim Brown. Yeah. They don't know about old Jim no. Brown. Either Jim did Brown I. called him James. was a fucking dump truck. Yeah. Well, athlete. if they watched UFC 1, they knew a little bit about him. Luke. I mean, obviously he's one of the most celebrated and, and he has a claim as being the best ever in his individual sport, but he also plays in a team sport. It's very hard to know exactly how it all would how it all cross pollinates, but you know, is he top three, even if, or maybe even top one in, in pro football slash soccer? Yes. Do you think Martin Bader of PBC and Showtime fame has worn clothes since the penalty kicks? <laughs> so, so the, what he's joking about there is Martin is the, one of the translators who works for Showtime. Cause obviously you got a lot of athletes in boxing who speak Spanish. He's from Argentina. And um, a true gaucho, a heart. true gaucho. Shouts to Martin, who the day after, to the to the two biggest teams in Argentine soccer, not the national team, but the club teams, are Boca Juniors and River Plate. And he's a big Boca Juniors fan. The day after Boca won their title again in the Argentine league, he on a fucking call with us, with like other athletes, was wearing his Boca uh, jersey. So I'm gonna guess that he. You know, I, I mean, his dungarees were probably. <laughs> I don't think he was wearing them. Uh, from at Rich P Top Tier, after watching that great World Cup final, what sport when it's. Oh, good question. What sport when at its highest levels is the most entertaining to watch? Can you rank to me in your personal fandom, starting with number one, what sports when they're at the very freaking best? The peak. The right? peak. When we're talking like pay per view and boxing that we've been waiting five years for, and then it's the fight of the year. By you the way, I, mean? I wanted to skip this fucking World Cup final. I'm glad I didn't in a way, but my wife was like, there's no way we're skipping this. So yeah. I ended up watching so it. It was like, yay for human rights abuses. No, 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 no. You know what it is? It's, I was like, who are you cheering for here? Right. Asking? She was like, she was like, South Americans every yes. time. And I was like, all right, that's, that's the game we're playing. Um, so we're talking about sports at their very, very best. For boxing's me personally, up there, brother. Boxing's yeah, boxing is going to be number one for me. That old bag can still get you, you know. Most boxing I do not like as much as most MMA. Yes. But the very best boxing to me is almost impossible. To Would you talk. agree the NBA can still bang you? I mean, they can still get you, right? Once in a while, they can just. Damn, NBA. I haven't watched an NBA game that I really loved in a long time. Oh, I watched that Warrior-Celtics finals last year with my son every single game. Oh, that was like, that was some real I'd put soccer right? probably number two. Um, MMA three for me. What about whatever your favorite Olympic sport is at the Olympics, whether it's like 100 oh, meters in track? Weightlifting. Oh, really? Or like, weightlifting. All right, all right. Easy, easy call. Yeah, that's not really, I mean, you know, oh, Oh, high-level grappling, Luke's got it. You and Brendan Lynch, right? Big fans. Of you, that you act like this, like you are above it. Like your taste is superior in some kind of way. You have, you have the, you have the combat sports palette of a toddler. I used to love the that. Final Four. Now I don't give a shit, dude. Luke. Fucking, fucking college basketball. I'd rather. I mean, I'm, I'm not even doing a bit here. I would much rather watch the G League. Dude, much. do you remember how good the Big East was in the '90s, man? That they don't was even life. know, dude. That they don't life. even know, dude. Big East, and, and at the time, obviously, like, dude, Duke versus UNC used to mean something. Remember when Stackhouse came underneath at Duke, and oh my God, damn! You know what I'm saying? Brilliant. But now, wow. now all the good people leave early, so it sucks. Uh, last one is from at Tylorian ZZZ. Name the worst Christmas gift you ever received. Don't who does anybody watch this show? Have we just answered this question recently? I think we did, but we can probably do it again. Uh, the best one, I think the best one was a bike I got. Yeah, but what was the worst? I bet, like, what does the worst mean that, like, somebody paid a lot of money to get you something cool and it turns out it sucked? Is yeah, I mean, the worst gift is, you know, there's a lot of times I didn't, like, get shit. Um, 
worst gift. Like I was just like, what the like what's the what's the first gift you ever open? You're like, I'm taking this motherfucker back to the store the day that. Oh, that was clothes when you were a kid. Like if a random aunt would jump into the gift space and buy you something. And it's like, yeah. oh, thanks, random aunt. I hope it's a foam ball gun or something. And you open it up and it's like a shirt. And you're like, how much can I get for this at Ames if I return it, you know? <laughs> I think I think one time, and they, again, I've been pretty lucky. I've not received a t uh, Oh, I've told you before. It was the fucking remote control my mom had that she gave me. And it was one remote and one button. And all it did was if you press it, it turned the fucking thing to the right or left, whatever it was. And it couldn't do shit else except just go forward and turn. I was like, this is the worst fucking... And when everyone else had the ones with like the wheels on it, and you could... Oh, my God. Dude, I had I got, I got the clapper in high school. There's not that's TV. In no, no. In high school, I got the clapper, and I hooked up my the lights in my bedroom to that. And you could Wait, set them off. Like, yeah. Like you could set them off if you fart really fast in succession. It's fantastic. I mean, you got it. It's like post-Chinese takeoff. Dude, you know, I was, you I was like, wrestling with my daughter the other day, and I gave her like a like a like the old gable grip... A little bit of a bear hug. Did you give her a Native American burn? What's a Native? Was that when you do this? Yeah. Because you know what you used to call it. You didn't. Not me. Not me, dude. I not know. Me. In, I, know right? in, I know. In elementary school, no. you didn't call it the Native American burn. <laughs> I know you didn't. But I'm saying no. I was. I was hugging her, and it squeezed a fart out, and we all had a good laugh. Oh wow, that's real wholesome. Hold on. And then she looked. At, I let her go, and she was laughing. She looked at me, and she goes, "Again, Daddy." So I squeezed her again, and I got another one out. God damn it. <laughs> that's. A Proud daddom right there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Luke, I've got something for you. Uh, it's a healthy, it's kind of alive. This is a good ass batch of shit that I put together. All right. right. You're talking big game. Let's all see. right. Let's see what we got here. We uh, we scoured the globe yesterday, myself, Gaffney Pierre, and then the ones and twos behind the scenes, uh, Luke Nosita from uh, Long Island by way of Australia. And we scoured the globe and put together the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows from combat sports and beyond. We call this BC's feces. Oh, oh God. Luke, you mentioned Brendan Fitzgerald as one of the top play-by-play -play men in this space. Mm -hmm. UFC fight night in Vegas, before the card even started, Brendan about to get us in that Christmas spirit, Luke. Are you impressed by his performance? No. Why? Look at that ugly sweater with a piano on it, right? Or is that a Star Wars ship? I can't tell. I mean, I can't play piano, but I know enough about playing the piano to know that this is not All an right. extraordinary degree of skill. Well, I guess it's shit. I've seen it. Thank you very much. Let's keep it going from UFC fight. Nice shout out to Brendan Fitzgerald, by the way. Yeah, we by the way, him. he was a great commentator, but, you know, very mediocre piano. We mentioned Rafa Garcia nearly bled out, Luke, an artery cut on his head. Here is a great picture from Getty Images' Chris Unger of Rafa and Mahashate going nose to nose. This looks like the set of Carrie, Luke. You know, remember that one? Jesus Christ. With Sissy man. Spacek. That's Damn. Blast from the past. That's gross, right? Dude, wow. You're going to have to clean the blood out of the inside of your ear. Yeah, yeah. You got a little on you there. That's something. Okay. By the way, they, they needed to be separated after that round. That was pretty cool to mm -hmm. see, Luke. Masculinity at its finest. Uh, also on the undercard, how the hell did he not tap Manel Cop, Kamura, David Dvorak to close round one, Luke? I can tell you how he didn't. Oh, that's tight. Damn, that's tight. It is, and it's pretty close, but I can tell you why he didn't. Why? Uh, well, he called him too high. Okay, so pause it if you can. Is there any way you can pause it? Okay, you, you see his knee is covering it. Um, 
There's no way I can show you up here. here I can yeah, we can go. We right can here. do this, Luke. Look at this. This is his elbow right here, right? Yeah. See his elbow, and that's the chest. Look how much space there is. Which means your arms are extended. Which means you're kind of just forcing it with this way. A true Kimura, like a really good one, is when their elbow is in the center of your chest, and you actually use. I don't turn my arms. I turn my body. When I turn, when I attach his arm to my chest and then I turn my body, ah. that is what does it. When your arms are out in front of you and you're just pushing it, it won't get the job That's done. That's white belt shit? Not necessarily. It's the middle of a fucking fight. Like, he sees something, he's trying to go for As it. As a but bouncer, have you ever kimura a bitch? Choked a few motherfuckers, but no, never uh, never uh, kimura a bitch. Wow. All right. Hey, how about this insane head kick from Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres against Julian uh, Arosa? Damn, Luke. I mean, it's just perfection. Wow, he had him like not quite stiff, but pretty pretty fucking close, man. Is that a knockout of the year contender? Um, maybe just shy, but because it's a very good it, one, right? He dropped him with it, but it. Oh yeah. Man. Oh God, good ground and pound on top of him. Yeah, that, that that was nice. You got to be careful with him, man. Uh, you mentioned Drew Dober tying Dustin Poirier for the most knockouts in lightweight history. Let's look at it. This one shot against Bobby Green was terrifying. Fucking Dober is. Oof. And he welcomed heavy, mm. heavy trauma to get to that. By the point. way, great stoppage there from Keith Peterson, who... Yeah, no nonsense. Keith Peterson! Yeah. Keith Peterson! Sounds like old hooch, that guy. I love him. He's we got a party with Keith Peterson. Speaking of Bobby Green, Luke, here was that media day uh, rant he had about Islam Mahachev that I wanted to get your opinion on. Here we go. I was fucking around on my YouTube, right? And I found this little video, and it said Islam had a little trouble with drugs. But I don't see people talking about him. And so he was saying when he first came over that his school that he, he trained at in Russia, they just gave him vitamins, you know? They've been doing this since, since who knows when, when you start training. Imagine if you gave someone steroids from the age of 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, how strong you would be. People were like, like, he was really strong. It makes sense now. There's two people that I moved around with. I'm not going to say their names. But I was like, that's interesting. I moved with thousands of guys. That was interesting. I told my coach the same thing. There was something interesting about Islam. And I felt it. I'm like, it's just not human. It makes sense. If I could do drugs, like, because our countries are different. Russia's been banned for, for the Olympics, you know. Their country's a little bit more okay with the drug use. We're under strenuous, you know, under strenuous drug stuff over here. There's a little bit different. They're, they're behind their fighters. They want them to be stronger. They want them to be more manly. Right, I think we've heard Over enough. Over here, we don't. Look, can it's you, just what it is. But Can you fact check his rant? Is there some uh, proof here? Can we change that to a no contest? Uh, no. No, okay. you cannot. I mean, is there a, in theory, is there athletes from that part of the world? Is there a culture in which you'd be taking vitamins as a child and sure then I mean, these germans were, these germans were famous for it but um you know if you give a child steroids i mean there are, so you can have medically for example Lionel messi had to take a version of steroids as a child because he was physically underdeveloped yes and it was so, the last time he touched the stuff i'm sure that's not true at all but in, in either way you, you know he's just sort of i don't know i don't know what theory he's describing where you could just give steroids to a kid it's like you know what happens to him if you give them to him at 12 i'm like yeah they're dead at 25 uh that's kind of what happens to him typically so um, I tend to think that, yes, is he right that there is state-sponsored doping in Russia? Like, one, we know for a fact that that is true. Whether or not somebody from, you know, the mountains of Dagestan was a beneficiary of that remains, uh, to me, just, you know, 
more conjecture than anything. I guess we'll have to continue our research. Let's go to the weekend that was in boxing. Showtime from Las Vegas. Here's the knockdown from round seven we mentioned before. Frank Martin, two-punch combo. The first one did it all, though. Damn. Look, look pull two counter, right hook. I mean, Whew. show that one more time. Show that one more go time. That is so fucking nice. Look at this. Look at this. Watch this shit. Watch the pull two. Oh. <laughs> God damn. Frank Martin is a problem, He's an ladies artist. and gentlemen. Uh, on the Showtime Championship Boxing countdown portion, Luke, we call this one 19-year-old Elijah Garcia delivering the boom hair for a second-round finish. Here's the ringside view. Pushes him off. Body shot. Elbow. Elbow. Oh, Woo. golly. Just yeah. like that. That was, it, what was it, the second-round stoppage? Second-round round. stoppage, something like that? Let's go over to the UK. Here's Chris Billum Smith with the uppercut from hell on this boxer promoted card. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> damn. Dude, what is up with boxing referees not wearing gloves? Cochinos. Dude, look at this. Oof. What a beautiful liver shot, too. Oh, that, oh, right, that uppercut just kind of came. Damn. He testified in church, too. Watch this. Look at the angle. Boom. He ate all of that. Last Tuesday, uh, Luke, we we rejoiced after Niowa Inoue uh, scored another sensational finish, becoming the first undisputed Bantamweight champion. We mentioned how hard it was. Paul Butler there to survive. But look at Inoue figure out a way to find an opening. (sighs) He was just like enough of this shit, right? Dude, he can and his his he can blind while he changes rhythms and changes speeds. Uh, he does touch touch go. Like he has so many tools, man. So many tools. Let me set up this next one, Luke. You remember last weekend when Teofimo Lopez scored a close decision win over Sandor Martin in his return here at 140 pounds Martin. and was caught on camera afterwards saying, "What do I still have it? Do I right? still have it? He was on the ESPN State of Boxing show and asked about that. Hey, there's a cop. One of the most important things that. We heard that night, you were in the ring, you saw the camera in front of you, there was a hot mic, and a lot was made of you saying and asking yourself, do I still have it? What was going on through your mind, and do you want to clarify that situation? Well, yeah, I mean, if you guys would like to, I mean, my whole thing is just always staying in the loop of things. So, you know, um, when it came to you guys, like, with the camera and everything, I mean, I know what a red dot looks like, guys. So it's just a strategic move. I know I got everything in me to always win. That's why we call it a takeover. So, you know, my whole thing was not even about that. It was just a strategic move. So people still talk about Teofimo Lopez, which they've been doing. Luke, is uh, Denial just another river? Or is he playing a different game of chess than we realize? I had a boxing coach hit me up on social media quietly. I won't say who it was. Uh, And he was like, Teofimo was in trouble. Not because of this per se, but like everything together. Yeah. And what he said, but he said something interesting to me. He said, uh, "Pay attention to how Team uh, Lopez has trouble. Lopez is good when guys are coming after him. Yes. He has a hard time going after anybody else, which you saw in the Sendor Martin fight. Um, you know, I thought that was an interesting little little uh, so, surprise message out of nowhere. If there's any truth to that, and I would agree from the standpoint of like he's camera savvy, he would have known, and it did seem so odd." If this is true, is he doing it to try to lure the big names, maybe even the names across the street, to want to go out of their way to fight him, thinking that he's damaged goods? Or maybe is he just damaged goods and doesn't know it? I mean, this is a reality series right now. I think he has a sneaky suspicion that he's 
he might have peaked already, and this is he's in trouble. But but I hope not. I love that guy, but you know this. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It does seem to me that some part of that he is internally wrestling with. How yeah. much and how often? It's hard to say. Uh, Gordon Ryan, Luke, made a lot of headlines with his performance in the UFC PI or UFC Invitational Grappling event. He was also at the PI with one Thorn Bjornsson, and they yep. rolled around. Here's footage. Strongest man in the world at one point. Dude, watch is... it how good Gordon is. He's gonna get, he's gonna go hook sweep, turn him. He's gonna get behind his elbow here and come underneath like that. In a fight, would Gordon tap him easily or what? I don't know. A fight's a different thing. I mean, you got big ass punches being thrown. It's hard to say, but what if Gordon what if Thor gets on top and I mean he's, he got he's, look, he's gonna do the Piotr Jan takedown like that. Just like that. Wow. And he's so he separated his so when your elbows are far away from your body, that is you're getting you're getting a big brother. I mean, did Theorn Bjornsson ruin Teofimo's career on that body shot? He like, might have. Wow. He All right. Have. Luke, you've long said that vaping is your vape habit is the gift that keeps on giving for do I MK. Have my vape on me? I think I do. Well, check out this vape artist. We've played guys like this before, but this guy taking it next level. This is art form in vape. In okay, vape this is the messy of vaping right now. <laughs> this is the World Cup final right now, here. Now, understand, you can be the messy of vaping and also like a sex prep pest and uh, have, <laughs> well, your, have your car repossessed for failure to pay your bills on time. But. Would you say that you're trying to, to change the stigma of who it is that might vape and what vaping represents? Dude, this man, who the, who the, this guy is, dude, Michael Jordan flu game, fuck that. Yeah, Look at this, this is the Michelangelo of, uh, of vaping. Dude, just put this asshole in the Sistine Chapel already. What are well, we doing? Well, Luke, not just regular people vape, celebrities and legends too. You ever hear of announcing legend Gus Johnson? Of course you have, Luke. Check this out. Live during the game. Okay, I take back all my criticisms of Gus Johnson. <laughs> what if Gus was one of us, just a clown, just a slob like one of us, Dude, Luke? If, listen, let me tell you something. As a as a guy, I would love to know what flavor. <laughs> I'm a watermelon ice guy. I would love to know if he's like mango or something, you know? Uh, Luke, we used to do Social Justice Wednesdays where people would send each other to hell. Here's Oscar De La Hoya, the Hall of Fame fighter and promoter, firing back at a fan. What do you think of his game here, Luke? What do you know about boxing, you capital ass wipe? <laughs> Period. Casual. It's like, I don't know a lot about boxing compared to Oscar, but I know a fuck ton more about grammar. Yeah, wow, ODH took it right there. Wow. He seems very happy and married to Holly Saunders now. And he, so, he, so he tells us on social media very oh, blatantly. Boy. Luke, you know my favorite segment within this segment. It's MMA fighters in the wild being regular people just like us. Are you about to watch a bunch of Kadir off birthday parties? The, here's Cutter providing Skyscraper tribute. Holy skyscraper, shit. Is that real? To Habib and Abdulmanap. Luke, look at this, man. Are you sure this is... This is this, our cutter. I mean, this, do I have proof that it's real? No, but this is Cutter, and this is Habib. Who wasn't he at the World Cup? Uh, he was at the World Cup. Our cameraman's nodding. I don't know, but I'm guessing yes. Wow, that's badass. That's fucking right? awesome. Yeah. Maybe they'll keep the business. Maybe there'll be a UFC card there after this tribute. Luke. I won't go. Okay, you watched though. You did. You took part. You were you were complicit. I did watch in yeah. the violence. I did watch. Uh, Luke, speaking of people scoring the big one, let's check out. Clay Guida, I'd have to check my mammary, but I don't think I've ever seen one that big, Check Luke. your mammary. Dude, you are the cheapest fucking <laughs> laugh. Dude, how about that catch? Big catch, man, right? Real big fish. Good 90s band, right? No, not, not, not good. Not good. Sell out. <laughs> With me today. <laughs> Sell out. Uh, what do you think? What the record th company is going to give us lots of money Sell and everything's going to be all right. Da -da -da -da. Wasn't that The Urge or was that? I don't even the know. The Urge was a good band, man. Remember Propagandi? Remember Propagandi? No. They were a pretty good band. Okay, your thoughts on Clay's conquest here? Um, looks like he's got a couple good catches. The so. Carpenter just building, you know, 
Building, building, I gotta say, I've never been a cigar guy. I've tried. Yeah. But that's, he's making it work for him. He's right? working. He's making it. it work for him. Yeah, you're working, building a mystery, right? That's what Sarah McLaughlin sang at Lilith Fair building that time. A mystery. That's where I picked up my Subaru. Uh, Luke Marab Davilish Wheelie wrote, Welcome to Heaven as the IG subhead of these picks from his weekend. Your thoughts? God bless Marab. I mean, he's just living the dream, huh? It gets it gets better. He does the Andre the Giant pose trying to juggle the chicks, Luke. Uh, he's like, let me see if I can lift all this booty. And turns out, Luke, he, he can. He can. Wow, there you go. That's the famous Andre the Giant shot, Luke. Um, yeah, not quite the same. That's the money shot. Well, Luke, Marab also was shown by this lady. He taught her self-defense how to get out of a rear naked choke. Here's Marab acting the role of predator. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. she went for the stick shift. She put it into neutral in a second, Luke. Reverse, get out yeah, of there, right? that was not an automatic car. Wow, that is, okay. Uh, wow. All right. Luke, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's... Kind, a, kind of erotic, if you're being, if well, being quite honest. <laughs> we'll talk about it on our <laughs> Patreon post-show on OnlyPipes. Luke, this is um, Alexander Volkanovsky. You know he's preparing for Islam Mahachev, and he believes his left knee, which has been defigured through years of grappling, looks a lot like Mahachev's face. Your thoughts? Uh, is this like the uh, the people who like find the Virgin Mary? Yeah, like find Jesus in their coast. Or yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. I love that shit. Uh, Luke Valerie Laredo, we know, has entered the WWE uh, system as a developmental wrestler. Her persona. I already like this photo. Her persona is Lola Vice. Your thoughts? That's her name. Lola is my dog's name. Um, okay. And you have a vice in this category as well. So yes, that, yeah, I, I certainly yeah. do. All right, there you uh, go. I, yep, that's a great. Luke, what if MMA fighters were like one of us? Here's Nico Price at the UFC Orlando Fighter Hotel fishing off the balcony, Luke. He's very industrial. You know what? Dana was right. He said they eat what they kill, right? The fighters, that's why they don't need a raise? Yeah, he's going to be hungry eating that. Well, you know, Nico Price, thank you he's very much. He's one of much. a kind, that Nico Price. Luke, we have footage of how you came to be how you came to be. Here's are, are these. Is this footage of my parents fucking? Because you can... You wow, can. <laughs> I don't have that. I actually don't have access to the, I'd have to check if Gawker has that. But Luke, let's go to young Luke Thomas at his first belly dancing restaurant. That's that's, that's about right, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, my man is just getting <laughs> mouth breathing, fucking, just mouth breathing. He's like, I didn't know they could do that. BBL. Honestly, love this is not. I mean, this is how I'd be now. Yeah, that is very like, true. Nothing's changed. Uh, Luke, speaking of training up your child in the way he should go, which is a biblical instruction. How about a new segment called MMA Parenting? Are you ready? Oh God. Here's Tisha and Rocky Luke having their MMA-inspired gender reveal. Tisha Torres pregnant with their first child, and it's a girl, Luke. Congratulations. Well, I'm happy for him. I'm I not know. a big fan of the gender reveals, but, uh, you know. I mean, this is, this. look at the emotion. I'm That's very pretty, happy. It's pretty great. Tisha's been one of my favorite star weights for many years, Luke. I'm very happy They're to see this. They're both very talented, actually. Absolutely. Uh, you, Luke, tr speaking of training your child up, young Ocean Perry, working the bag right next to his pop's mic. Let's see. Oh, that's cute. He is cute. He's incredibly cute, Luke. Okay. Well, that's pretty adorable. Maybe I'm work on the technique a little bit. Pretty adorable. You think you should work on his technique a little? How old is he, like two? I talking about Mike. Oh, Mike? No, I was kidding. I was kidding, yeah. How about the pants for Mike matching the, the design of uh, Ocean's shirt? It's very in sync. Yeah, that's nice. What jersey is he wearing? I can't quite see. Detroit Lions, Barry I know, Sanders, I, know, who's, I think. Who's, who's it, Sanders? Yeah, it is. That's pretty cool, actually. Uh, Luke, Benson Henderson entertained his children this weekend by hanging them from a blanket from a balcony. I think we've seen this before, right? Yo, Bellator's paying Benson real nicely, huh? 
This actually looks pretty fun for yeah, kids. Yeah, this actually looks great. I mean, you know, injuries could certainly... Yeah, I mean, they're going to get decapitated eventually, yeah. but... But doesn't this remind you of a famous moment in parenting history, Luke? No. Oh, in, is this the Michael Jackson blanket? <laughs> in Berlin, when he hung blanket... In Berlin, excuse me, when he hung blanket by a blanket, Luke? You remember this back in, like, 2002 or something? I don't know. Do we have footage of it, please? I'm getting balcony baby flashbacks. Here it is, Luke. There's Jacko. Is this when he hung? I mean, just what? I mean, it was his own child, just to be fair. But maybe Blanket should have used that rare naked defense that Marab got caught with against Michael. All right. I'm just amazed at all these people. People were outraged by this, you know? Yeah, not the not the predatory behavior, but certainly that. That's his own child. That's Blanket. I understand. What's Blanket's real name? Is it like Prince or something? Stupid fuck. I mean, I don't know. All right, Luke, speaking of poor parenting, how about this kid on the Miami Heat broadcast? Now, I mean, granted, if I was caught on camera today in an NBA game and my family wasn't there, I might do this too, Luke. You know what I mean? Just to be fair, right? I would like to tell you that I'm above this. Yeah. I, I want to be clear. I'm not above this. I'm not above this. Hey, Dana Dick Slap Dude, tryouts. we do that half the time on this show. That's true. Uh, Dana's uh, motherfucking Slap League, Luke, is continuing their tryouts all around America. They should Here's, change the name to that. It's called Dana White's motherfucking Slap League. Here's a future contender getting two for the price of one here. Oh. oh. Damn, right? Oh, she hit oh, her friend she as hit her. well. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah you got to be careful. Yeah, that's that. great. Luke, don't think I forgot about the biggest fight of the weekend and the biggest fight in KSW history. How yeah, about Mohamed Kalidov stopping the strong man himself, Marius Pujanowski? Pujanowski, by the way, a legit strong man. Uh, one that I think the world's strongest man four or five times. He got bodied by middleweight, basically. The Mama curse Kalidov. of the back advertisement, right, Luke? Yeah. Do you think he did that to cover up his back knee from all that? Probably to get paid. I don't think he cares a fuck about the back knee. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Is that a big win, Luke? They're both old, right? I mean, it's a it's an interesting win, and it's big for KSW who does stuff like this. Is um, this like Rod Tan versus uh, Rod Tang versus Demetrius kind of? Sort of, not really. I mean, they're both MMA fighters. It's a big weight class disparity, and like these are two like the biggest pol well, yeah, two of the biggest names in Polish MMA. Yeah, and um, so they had him fight like this. And so it's a it's a it's a bit of it's a little more pride than. One in the way that you're describing it, but I'd love to get some punchkis and check this you out. Love, I've never had a punchki. You've talked oh, big about so them. Good. They're so good. They say I pronounce that wrong. That's really like, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, dude, Polish is a funny language. I don't. Uh, really Pusha, not the only strongman making waves. Here's Eddie the Beast Hall introducing something I like to call dick art. Were you into this? You're a big Eddie Hall fan, right? Doing the math. Oh, is he doing skits and bits? I don't know, Luke. We'll have to see. Uh, is this art, Luke? Are we art? Okay, dude. Instagram humor is always bad. Let's see how bad it is. <laughs> it looks pretty bad from here. <laughs> I mean, dude, this is someone's parent. It's on brand, Luke, okay? This is someone's parent. There you go. Well, Luke, that wouldn't be the only time we've had dicks in the wild this week hidden in plain sight. Like those, you know, like you ever go to Disney World and they've got those Mickeys, those like hiding in like the wallpaper design, the hidden Mickeys, Luke? Mm -hmm. We got hidden dicks in the wild. You ready? Google images showed us that uh, Epstein Island's still active, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Luke. 
Luke, they've also got hidden live dicks at your local Walmart grocer's freezer. Did you see this video making the rounds? What the fuck? <laughs> Luke, hot days gotta stay chilled. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Go, blow that up full screen. No, no, we. I don't think we're gonna lose our sponsors, Luke. Is that Jake? <laughs> what grocery store is this? I need to make a note next time I'm in Puerto Rico. Luke, uh, uh, do you remember that scene in Boys in the Hood when they're like, can you drive stick? I can learn. This is really what they were talking about. Okay. All right, well, this is the worst part. <laughs> I mean, you know, put that shit into drive, right, Luke? Just crash this car. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's go to a parade they had in Japan last week, Luke. Uh, the Rage should write a song about this called Dicks on Parade, you know? <laughs> hey, your thoughts? What the fuck is the story <laughs> here? What's the story, Morning Glory? I don't know, Luke. All hail, right? Maybe maybe they got a visit from Rocco. Are these... I don't... <laughs> hey, let's go to the barber. I don't even understand right. what the fuck I'm looking at. You know, kids' haircuts these days are wildly out of control. Wow, man, someone's parent let <laughs> this motherfucker down, man. What a dickhead, right? Look, you know what I mean? <laughs> and bro, you can just tell, you can just look around, like, where are they? They're in fucking somewhere in South America. Uh, you know, uh, uh, wow, this makes me hungry. Let's order out. How about a pizza? Sounds like Brazil. Dude, some of you motherfuckers need to stop making dick pizzas yeah, and they, go to therapy. They got shafted on the amount of pepperoni there, right, Luke? Wow, that's, that's what's wild. All right. Hey, I got you a hey, new... Hey, I said I wanted a meat lovers. <laughs> I got you a new coffee mug for Christmas, you dick. Yeah, Luke, this is great. This is just... Okay. I mean, all right, let's get out of here. Hey, Luke, you know how we always debate La whether... La casa de tu amigo? You know how we always debate whether it's like Bador, Fedor, like is it air hair or ear here? It's neither. Here's the Guinness World Record holder for the longest ear here. Yo, Luke. my man, this is not an achievement. This, <laughs> this is just poor hygiene or my what? My man, this is not an achievement. <laughs> what do you think you could find with a Q-tip in there? Here's what I do. Blow this, blow this fucking picture. <laughs> think they have missing children in there? Okay. Look. Why is this motherfucker's mustache quaffed <laughs> and his eyebrows I could fucking bungee jump from. Are you suggesting that the airs don't match the carpet? Luke? Like, BC, I need to get my kid a fucking sweater for Christmas. Can we shave this motherfucker's eyebrows and knit one? Uh, this makes me, you know, what? you remember, you ever go to Big Y and if you got good service, you can ring that bell on the way out and then like it got so obnoxious they got rid of it? You know what he needs? Hold on, you know what he needs? Change that shirt and just, if, he, if you're just going to live like this. Just at all times, you need to be wearing a shirt that says, I fuck on the first date. Wow. Really like <laughs> wow. It. All right. Well, Luke, I hope our uh, viewers ring their bells, ring their bell like this when they get good service from NK, when they like a, and enjoy a good episode. Here's what happened at the Texas Tech game. Your thoughts. R.I.P. Mike Leach, Luke. Well, Texas Tech. <laughs> you know, he's very excitable, that young man, Luke, right? He's, you know. I mean, they didn't do my guy any favors with this camera. <laughs> wow, angle, wow. I didn't know we could show this on TV. Here at Texas Tech, we just masturbate on the sidelines. Hey, Luke, we all remember the first time we got lucky in the backseat of our first car, right? I actually do. Did your car have a nickname? Uh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, this one's right to the point. You know, <laughs> you get hands on in there. You know. Oh, that uh, is. Uh, well, you know base, what? Not a base for sliding, Luke. Wow. I mean, this is okay. I don't know what job this guy has, but he doesn't show up to it on time. <laughs> gynecologist, possibly, no. Luke. I mean, can well, you imagine if your gynecologist had this car? <laughs> Or that sticker on it. Wow. Finally, Luke, let's just get high. Uh, check out this extreme bong ship here. Uh, could you survive this, Luke? That's my question. Oh, oh man. God. We got eight bowls of flour in here, one alien tech banger in the middle, and we're going in. How, Seriously, how many cl classes has this kid failed? <laughs> I think he's a genius. Look at this contraption. You could not survive what he's going through right now. Watch this. First. A little bit of damage. Now he's going after it. Now he's getting in it. Got the dog in him, this guy. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. He's good. He's good. He's good. Either, I think it's either Crowbar or the, ba the band Down. They have a song called Bury Me in Smoke. Yes. You can do that for me. Right well, there. Luke, uh, this one goes out to Mr. T, wherever he is. Luke, to infinity and beyond. This is Middle America checking in. This is for you, Mr. T. Android to infinity and beyond. Just desecrating the American flag. <laughs> Fuck it. Look at Osama bin Laden here. <laughs> Fuck this asshole. I think I think my favorite part about this is not only that they're doing it, but that they had to steal from a Home Depot to oh, make this God. shit. <laughs> okay, low key, they're kind of genius. Ooh, yeah, Joy. <laughs> is that Bryce Mitchell after the loss? Luke? People, people are like, people are like, what happened to American Empire? <laughs> Finally, Luke, I love it when a homeless guy keeps it one hundo. You know what I'm saying? Just tell the truth. Don't we all, right? I need a miracle every day, Luke. Got a knee brace on, too. Yeah. <laughs> you ever suck some D for weed? <laughs> no. All right. R.I.P. Bob Saget. That's the shit of Palm the Palm trees. That's Florida, dude. The Florida homeless are different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember the homeless in, like, Phoenix? They were all, like, covered in soot or something? Yeah, they were. They I, was were. Like, I was like, why are all the homeless in Phoenix, like, chimney sweeps? Maybe I didn't understand like, that. like Dune, they get so much access to the spice that their eyes turn blue, and they're like, you know, it's like that, right? How many times did you watch Dune over the weekend? A bunch of times, Luke. A bunch I need to watch it again. I need to watch it again. So, I mean, the what thing did I see? Oh, oh, oh. Is Snyder here? I didn't get you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Daniel Snyder's nephew. Daniel Snyder's nephew. Uh, I started White Lotus. On HBO Max? Yeah, I was trying to text you about live Showtime boxing. You're like, watching live White Lotus. Dude, White Lotus is as good as people say it is. Uh, I'm only four episodes in. It's awesome. It's awesome. A lot of man ass, though. I will tell you that. A lot of man balls and a lot of man ass that I wasn't prepared for. But short of that, the what's what's happening in the show is fucking awesome. You know what I made my family watch with me last night? It's a... Pornography? It's a family tradition. My favorite Christmas movie. Hardcore pornography? <laughs> Holiday in Handcuffs with A.C. Slater and Sabrina <laughs> the Teenage Witch. Yo, it's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. What is, okay, Christmas when you guys, if you, if you put up your tree and everything, right? Yeah. How, okay, how soon after Thanksgiving does the tree go up in the Campbell household? We have a rule because if, if left unattended, my wife would begin Christmas decorating like September 1st, probably. Sure. So because Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday and because I'm the one who physically has to, you know, bring all the things down from the garage uh, attic up there and all that, get on the ladder and risk my life. 
uh, we have a rule that the day after Thanksgiving, okay. which is That's what Black we do Friday too. for most people, we decorate all day. The house, the tree, all we the We did ornaments. that Saturday, but okay. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right. When you put up the tree, do you guys have a little tradition beyond that? Yeah, no, nothing too serious in terms of like tradition, but you know, there's Christmas music playing. There's some hot cocoa. The cats yeah. are we do the hot climbing cocoa. in the tree like assholes and you got to pull them out. One of my wife's favorite movies is one of the first, well, not the first ones, but one of the first comedies she liked when she moved to the States was uh, Elf. Oh, so we put on yeah. Elf, some yeah. hot cocoa, and we have a good That's time. That's my kid's favorite Christmas movie, like, Elf? Without, without question. That's a, that, yeah. Dude, that movie holds up. It's, dude, it was 2003. It's almost 20 years old at this point. Where, but will it get to the point where they Christmas story it, where, like, you know, they play it 24 hours a day on every network, and you're like, I can never watch this again. I really can't. Loved it as a kid. Cannot ever watch it again. You've ruined this TNT. You made drama, right? Uh, White Lotus is good. You should watch White Lotus. All right. Do you think um, Paul Atreides... Uh, um, do you think he? Do you think he consummates in the in the sequel? I mean, he kind of had a vision about it already, right? Think yes. he smashes? Does he consummate in the sequel? Well, I've not read the books. Does he? I don't know, but at the end of the first Wait, movie, have you not read the book? I have not yet read the book. So there's there's already an online, uh, I think, pool going of how many pages I'll read before quitting. But I'm I'm ready to go the distance. How long are the books? I think it's pretty long. It's so there's a lot of them, but the first one, Luke, Dune, the first book, from 1965, Frank Herbert, it covers the first Dune movie and the sequel that's coming out next year. Oh, okay. So the first two movies are actually one, one book. The first book, yes. Oh, that's I did not know that. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, dude, I like that movie. I, I don't hate on that movie at all. I have I need to rewatch. Would it. you agree though? It's what Star Wars should have. Been. Yes, it's it's gritty Star Wars. Not, not like, but not like in a. Um, not like in a rogue one way, like in a real way. Yeah. It's got a something. certain gravity to it, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that, oh, by the way, I can't believe you didn't show Jake Shields and uh, Mike Jackson pummeling oh each my, other. Oh, that's the, actually, a, that's on me. That's, that's just me forgetting it. You forgot to put that in, in the mix. Yeah, that was yeah. a fun little moment. Um, yeah. We had others. We had we had dongs in the wild. We had to. Uh, yeah, you showed me a lot of cocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not so much well, a lot of fighting, but uh, yeah. all right. That's it for us. Reminder, Showtime.com is the label that pays. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. I believe we also have, there it is, $3.99 a month for your first six months thereafter. Hey, that's a great deal. You can get a whole bunch of stuff. By the way, next week we'll have a Bellator event, Bellator versus Ryzen. So MMA is not done for the year just yet. So that'll be that. What else, BC? Uh, the store, morningcombat.store. You can get, I think, this shirt. You can get BC's shirt. You can get a lot of cool stuff. There's that. You can go morningcombat at gmail.com to email the show. Uh, let's remind folks, Feb 8th, Feb 8th, we're going to be in London, live, live London show. Get your ticks, tell your friends. Uh, There's only 500 of these tickets, so I know it sounds like, oh, you know, these wash donks will be lucky to fill it up. We're going to fill this shit up. There's going to be some special guests. If you're on the fence about coming, I, I wouldn't trust the amount of tickets left. Look, I'd go after it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd, go, I'd, I'd get out again, and get it. I don't know how many of these UK shows we're ever going <clears throat> to do, so this might be a one and we done. We might get deported as soon as we the first joke lands. Listen, you know? well, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Show up, okay? So there's that. Uh, anything else? I think that's it, right? I should eat fish and chips on stage during the event. Right? Oh, that's a little bit. I'd call it racist, but more just ignorant. Um, by the way, also fish and chips... Don't say anything bad about fish and chips. There's nothing wrong with fish and chips. When but I don't think that that's like the... F we think that that's classic English food, and yeah, maybe it is. stupid. No, have you had bangers and mash? No. So What are bangers? Is sausage, basically sausage. Uh, and then mashed potatoes. I had My brother took me to a place that had duck bangers. When he lived, my brother lived in London for four years, and he took me around. Um, it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. But the rest of the food in London... 
that Marine train you almost jumped on. A lot of bangers and mash going on there. You <laughs> no, know? I mashed some bangers, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, all right. That is it for us here today. We are going to record some other <laughs> stuff for you guys a little bit later, but we're done for today's programming. Sorry for being late. Blame Amtrak. And uh, you got some entertainment items <sighs> the same. So that is Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Malka. Thanks to Showtime. Thanks to CBS Sports. We'll catch you guys on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.